Welcome everyone to episode 49 of the <laughs> Looks Like a Movie podcast. My name is Kevin. I'm here with Doug and Owen. And today we're talking about two new releases, The Beekeeper and Society of the Snow. And we'll also do some updated award season coverage since the Golden Globes aired and we got SAG, DGA, and PGA nominations. But first we can start with what we watched this past week. Doug, would you like to start? Me? I'm starting? Oh my I gosh. Think I, I think I ended last week, right? Yeah, I definitely um, went last week, so this time it's Doug's turn. Uh, okay. Uh, so so uh, the uh, in order, here's everything I watched last week, not including the two movies we're covering on this episode that I watched last night. Thank you for giving um, listeners that necessary background. Oh, you suck my penis. <laughs> okay. um, I, I watched... Not even a minute into the episode, by the way. I'm pretty sure that's... Not good for monetization. But... We're not monetized. <laughs> um, I watched First Cow, uh, directed by Kelly Reichert. Um, uh, Kevin's going to have some words about that. It's a very good movie. Kind of like mm-hmm. uh, you know, sensational cinema. I watched Good yeah. Grief. Uh, you, I think we talked about Good Grief last week, Doug. Did we? I believe I so, think yeah. you watched Good Grief last week. Oh, I don't think. Okay, that's true. Maybe I watched it and you didn't. And then I watched it a couple days later. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to echo what you said last week, which is whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I watched Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. I want to say, what a cl- what a clumsy name. <laughs> what is, what's yeah. going on with the names of well, franchise films? I don't like when you do a part one and then there's and then a subtitle. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like when you do like a colon and then you need like another. Like it could have just been Rebel. The full Moon. title is Rebel Moon Dash Part One Colon A Child yeah, Fire. Like I, hate, yeah. like I hate that. Um, what a uh, you know, much as well, it's like it's like Star Wars One A New Hope. Like it's like if that was the full like yeah, it was it was it's like Star Wars Colon Part One Dash. Uh, a new hope it's like okay i don't know yeah uh much has been said about rebel moon i i don't have too much to add that's interesting it's it's a clumsy uh, confusing film um i don't know uh i'm sure we'll probably dedicate an episode to it at some point when it makes sense not right, in the near the future part comes out or yeah yeah well, in this, there, yeah yeah that's what makes the most sense to like, talk about when, it it's not yeah, right now though like part yeah. two is coming out in, like april and then the director's cut is coming out in, like the summer did <laughs> yeah. they confirm a release date for the zach said cut? in the summer okay so that's, so that's never coming out. <laughs> yeah okay. so if you're a big rebel moonhead that on you also are a big looks like a movie head like you really like our podcast and you're like oh why didn't they talk about robo moon it's because like it doesn't make sense to talk about it right now um (laughs) yeah well it's like i mean i didn't watch it until like this last week and i had already been out for a few weeks i but like because it's like it's so weird it's weird it's weird weird what's going on with that movie um then me and owen watched jack um and split some of our other friends and that was a movie and then I also watched a trailer of a film that will not exist, Phony Wars. Right. Or pho- yeah, Phony Wars. Um, which, notably, the final um, Godard, uh, just very good. So, yeah, that's everything I watched. Nice. <laughs> Owen, um, do you have I've been kind of on, Jack? like, a, a last meal sort of dealio rampage where, like, I'm going to back to school uh, next week. So I've just been kind of watching a bunch of stuff. 
Um, I also watched uh, Phony Wars, the newest Godard, and then I kind of went on like a little Godard thing where I was just watching his like later things. I watched the Image book, which I think is my f- it's it's my favorite right now. Um, I also watched Hail Mary, which I really really loved. Um, that's not as late, but it's still like it's 1985 for Godard, so it's still not early. <laughs> um, and like his like peak period, I guess you would say, is like. Like the 60s yeah yeah Yeah. well yeah it's definitely not the era that people know him best for yeah um i what else did i see oh i watched notorious oh the hitchcock great movie fantastic one of his best movies um i watched a portrait of jenny last night which is a film from the 40s and it's very fascinating it's a book adaptation um of you know portrait of jenny and I, i'm interested in reading the book because i think it's a quite interesting um film to be adapted and i think it has potential to be something bigger um, really great 40s film i recommend that one i watched uh the pillow book which is a peter greenaway movie i love greenaway greenaway is great that one's very fascinating i watched i watched the crank uh because i jumped off of one of the movies we're going to be talking about in a second was in a little bit of a Jason Statham mood after the Beekeeper, um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I watched Jack with um, yeah, I also watched The Searchers, which uh, fantastic job for But yeah, I was I was kind of cramming in as much of the goodies as I could get. But pretty busy week for me. But yeah, again, Portrait of Jenny I think is one of the best things I've seen in a while. Really great, really great movie. I think we should definitely get around to doing an episode like you know far down the line but i think that's a good one to check out for sure yeah i saw you log it yesterday and it it looked interesting yeah um okay what did i watch i had a busy week uh good good movies um i watched margaret which is like kenneth lonergan's masterpiece pretty much um a lot of people really like it it's like a three hour long like um it feels like it's like for the stage almost at times. Um, obviously he's like a playwright before he was a director. Um, it is, I'm surprised that people enjoy it as much as they do because it is not exactly a confusing movie, but it's like a purposefully messy movie. Like it is all over the place in very good ways um yeah i mean it just yeah it fucking rocks also just like you know i i know we we talked before about the happening being like this this great 9-11 movie margaret is like both a great 9-11 movie and just like a great like this is the landscape of america movie like i i don't think there's too many movies that uh nail it as well as margaret um i watched two kelly Riker movies the final two feature films from her that i had to see uh meek's cut off which is great and then first cow which is like the best movie ever made um the pinnacle of cinema arguably Um, yeah it's it's so good i don't i'm gonna probably post a video about kelly Riker maybe today or at some point um and it's all you know i think my mission for the past year and watching her movies has been to always sneak her name into every conversation that i can and just like try to sell people on her movies and um i don't know if 
that's I don't know if I've been super convincing in that, but First Cow is her most popular movie. So some people might have seen it. If if you haven't, you should. Um, it's like I don't know. I I had a feeling it would connect with me the most, and it definitely did. I mean, it's just about somebody like it's about pursuing your passions, but also like sharing that with other people and like why that matters, why it matters to share those passions with other people and how you wish that money didn't have to get in the way of those things. Yeah. Um, it's it, about, it's just a beautiful movie. It's kind uh, of like the, the it's, it's a very good like American dream text. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, is it the best movie of uh, 2021? um i think it was 2019 20 okay that's when we get into release date politics yeah uh, no but i'm pretty sure it had a theatrical release in 2019 it was very small but i think um, it had a festival debut in 2019 and then it was actually released like two years later okay i was like okay i was almost positive that i remember it coming out in 2019 but maybe i'm wrong um uh, or i, I think it, i think it was actually i might have been 2020 when it came I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, whatever year it came out in, it's if it did come out in 2019, it's very funny because people often quote that as like one of the best film years of the past couple of years, and very few of those people include First Cow in that conversation. Um, and you know, like obviously, there's like the parasites and whatever, but there's very few movies in that year that compare to First Cow. Um, so something to keep in mind for those people. Anyway, yeah. Um, just you Hell know, people yeah. watch watch Kelly Riker movies. That's what I wanted to say. Um, I watched a moment of innocence, uh, which is unbelievable. I've been like, I really want to get into Iranian cinema. I've only seen a few, but the few that I have seen are like pretty heavy hitters, you know, like taste of cherry and close up and, and now a moment of innocence. Um, and they're all really beautiful movies. So I, you know, definitely, definitely something I want to explore a bit more. The moment of innocence was unbelievable. Um, I watched Sunshine because Killian Murphy won a Golden Globe this past week, which I we we will mention later. Um, so I had to go back to my Killian Murphy binge and and saying you bro is saying, celebrating the Globe. Well, <laughs> saying that you watch Sunshine because Killian Murphy won a Golden Globe is so silly. <laughs> that is the reason why I watched it. I know though. it's the I silly. I mean, like I wanted to like I. I was reminded on, on a on a big stage why Killian Murphy is my favorite actor, and I was like, I need to go watch a Killian Murphy movie that I haven't seen because eventually I will have seen all of them. But Sunshine is one of the ones I haven't seen, um, and it's really good. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And then uh, I rewatched Mean Girls for the first time in like a fucking decade or something. I don't. Know. I really I thought that was new. Well, I will be seeing the new one, but um, we're not talking about it on the podcast. But I will be seeing it, um, which is why I rewatched the original. And uh, yeah, it's still really good. Also, weirdly dated, but that's okay. Yeah, well, that happens with movies like yeah, that. that um, yeah, of course. I have a okay. Um, I have a question for you, Kevin. Uh, sure. How do you feel about all of the marketing positioning um, Renee Rapp as the lead of the film, even though she is not the top build um, actress and she is not playing the main character? <laughs> I think it makes sense because renee rap is like 
the biggest name in the project uh, and has like a kind of star power. It's also a musical and she's like a very popular singer. Um, and also like she's playing Regina George, who is kind of the most iconic character in the, like more iconic than the lead. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is, it is strange. I also, I, um, I can't think of her name right now. I do like the actress, the the, the lead. I don't know uh, how to say. Homecoming. I don't know. I don't know how to say her name. Yeah, she isn't. She isn't Spider Man. No, but like, I I like her, but I don't. I I have heard from people that maybe she uh, doesn't fit into like this character. Like she fits in into some parts of the character and not others. Um, I'll see the movie and see for myself. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, who knows? I like Renee Rapp a lot. I'm a big Sex Lives of College Girls fan. I've, Did you I've hear about the drama with that? Several times. Uh, with the show? Mm-hmm. And when there's they not, Renee Rapp? There's not really drama. She's not coming back for the third season, if that's what you mean. But is there something else? Yeah, because she, she said that um the cast, the, her castmates were being biphobic. Oh, um, really? Yeah, that's, that's what not, she said. I did <laughs> not hear about that. Um, um, that's an interesting development, I guess. Um, I'm not joking. I'm laughing. I'm not. I'm not joking. Though. That's this is actual news I heard on on Twitter gossip. I heard on Twitter. Um, okay. Oh, oh, is this like is this like a real news source or is this like a somebody tweeted a rumor? Kind of I don't know. I don't, I'm not in. I'm not tapped into the sex size of college girls. Like. Okay, my bad. Well, you're missing out. I don't know what to tell you. One of, I like one of, the, one of the great TV shows airing currently. Um, anyway, yeah, no, Renee Rapp's cool. Um, we can we can make a not very seamless transition into The Beekeeper, uh, <laughs> a really fun January movie. Uh, there's January. a there's a kind of like John Wayne. There's a line in this movie where someone looks at Jason Statham and says, "To be or not to be." <laughs> I don't know how you could dislike this movie. It goes I mean, like, <laughs> like, I don't know how you could not have fun with a movie that's this purposefully ridiculous. Um, Doug might have not had fun. With it, <laughs> Doug is Doug is currently leaving off screen. Oh, he's back. Okay. No, what um, happened? Hello. I was I just saying that I was just saying that you don't like the beekeeper because you walked away. But um, but oh, no, no, I, no, I think we all had. I think we all had fun, right? oh yeah there. no it's a blast it's it was funnier than i expected I, I it was i thought it like i was i had decent expectations i thought it was gonna be fun but like I, there was moments where i was actually laughing like i think it's a i think it's a good time it's really really stupid but yeah, that's why like, it in works. The like it's the dumbest movie possible but it's different than something like say cocaine bear um because oh, like yeah, i mean cocaine bear, cocaine bear like is like a real movie where you get stu too stupid where it like is just fake this like yeah. kind of understands what it is in like a way and it's like a good time and also jason statham's just like incredible and like just watching him just kick the shit out of people is really fun yeah. um so you combine that with just like really goofy shit um, it's pretty fun. There's like obviously a lot that doesn't work, but for like a movie that's yeah. coming out in January called The Beekeeper, it does its job. It really does. I want to preface the conversation a little bit by saying like 
we're gonna spoil the movie, but also yeah. like you shouldn't care very much, you know. No, I don't I think spoilers know. matter, but I do yeah. think, and and we will get to <laughs> there this. is like I a reveal that movie. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, think yeah. the movie gets to a point in the third act that is so ridiculous that if you haven't seen the movie, you should not listen to us talk about that yeah. third act. No, it's it just so it's so fun when it happens <laughs> like it is just yeah, the, the yeah. craziest direction that the movie can well go. i love it i love that they um, take that direction i don't know but yeah, i will also but... say like if you haven't seen the movie and you're not like and you're not like oh man the beekeeper's gonna be my favorite movie ever and you are and it's like we're not gonna like ruin yeah, your experience not, it yeah, you know it's like yeah. it's not yeah it's the movie is the movie is what you would expect going in except i think the only note i would add to that is that I was not expecting it to be as absurd as it is, um, like like committed, so dumb. committed, to how dumb <laughs> it is, but like committed to how dumb it is. Yeah, and because um, it's kind of like it's very. Listen, I don't want to. The John Wick comparisons are so obvious that they become trite almost as like a right. like a talking point. But it really is just kind of like John Wick but stupider. You know, like well, yeah. I mean, like plot. Like I, I think I think people. I, I don't. I don't love just like referencing John Wick with every new action movie, but I think it makes sense because the plot is literally the John Wick plot. Yeah, like yeah. there's somebody somebody gets somebody. hurt at the beginning of the movie, and, and then it becomes revenge. a revenge for that thing. <laughs> like, it's... and then everybody's like, "Oh, who is that? That's a beekeeper." And they're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh no." <laughs> can we? Okay, actually, can we start there because it you is brought like, him out of retirement. I thought he was retired. Astonishing. <laughs> how much time this movie spends talking about beekeepers like talking about the concept of what this thing is without ever really telling no, us what it never is like do you guys really know get, what a beekeeper is like, we don't know they like show like the agency like a little bit like they show like that girl who's like helping him and then they're not helping him and he like breaks in but we have there's no like real information they're literally like it's literally uh, just like in john wick one where um they're like oh what the fuck did john wick do i guess he was kind of like an assassin but like yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. really know anything no. else beyond like it's clearly it a lot we don't need to like, know i just think it's movie funny because they make a lot of like they're always just talking about the beekeepers and like yeah but it's yeah, almost yeah. like the kind of like mystification of like what it is to be a beekeeper and like you see other beekeepers come get him but like if you were to like peel back the layers a little more it almost like ruins the kind of like what did he do you know or who is, is there he? is well, there a franchise potential are we no learn absolutely more yeah no they i think there's an article i think there's an article um where they're talking about like yeah they have sequel plans this is okay. this is jason this was like this is literally god i feel so dumb and people are gonna hate me saying this but this is literally just like jason satham john wick it's trying to do like <laughs> just kind of recreate john yeah. wick with jason satham you know so yeah they, they 100 no i i think there is i yeah i i think there's there's more potential and i wish they leaned harder into his like beingness uh there should have been b bits he only like in the trailer they they reference how like honey's flammable and he does light that one girl on fire like there's like b jokes and sometimes he like throws people with honey and stuff but like i wish like he was like he would like sometimes he would like wear like the bee fucking out but i don't know i wish it would be sillier like in the way like that he is the beekeeper and like like he's just a lot of times it's just like jason statham fighting people which is like cool and like i like seeing that but I wish he was more like 
like a fucking B superhero. At yeah. Times. Like, Oi, I bro, gotta <laughs> keep the hive safe. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. I was surprised at how there was no reaction to those people destroying all of his bees and all of his honey. Like, there. Yeah. I yeah, feel yeah. like well, that I mean... should have hurt him more. <laughs> well, they're just Cause, also because I really guess they're cares just about bees. bees. Sure, yeah, but yeah. he really cares about he them. He wasn't and those people that. Up and just like he was. But I mean, I mean, he was already kind of. Sure. Like, I mean, he was also, already like going out and killing people and blood. Yeah, the yeah. movie would need to slow them. down for to show him caring about bees. The way right. the way this movie's edited, uh, there were moments <laughs> where I like I really felt it, and I was like, this pissing me off a little bit. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it felt like somebody with like a like edited with like. It felt like like a TikToker edited this fucking movie with how little mm-hmm. space there are in between, um, like breathing rooms between cuts. There's one moment where, um the well, i guess we should talk about the movies about it's it's about like uh you get the idea he's a beekeeper and yeah. he kills people somebody somebody shows up at he he's he's staying in an outhouse like a, like a back house uh on this lady's property uh she is pulled into the world's dumbest internet scam <laughs> um yeah. loses all of her money because they they hack into her computer log into all her bank accounts completely drain them mm-hmm. and as a result she kills herself because she has lost all her money yeah. and then jason statham gets Which revenge get, because like, she is the only no lady time who... with her at all yeah but she <laughs> according get, like, to jason Statham, conversation and then she dies so. yeah but but in that conversation he says that she's like the only person who's cared for yeah. him so as a result of her dying he goes on a hunt to track down the people responsible for this scam and take the whole operation down all the way to the very top which we will get to but um but that's that's the plot of the movie everything else is self-explanatory as you everything about the it's a very obvious movie there's nothing like like the b plot is like her daughter's an fbi agent and it's like kind of and is like in charge of this we don't really investigation but um like there's one there's one (laughs) scene where her daughter um it's like in a movie it's in a movie is in like it is in a room like a meeting with um like the the vice uh head of the fbi or whatever yeah, yeah the or, second the second head like, like yeah the, the second the second um, head sounds wrong but you know what i mean like the the next guy and like and like the like the it, like it cuts that scene and then it immediately it like has her start talking and like i forgot what the fuck she says because i didn't write it down but um it was like it was like a bit it was like like the implication was like they had been sitting there for a while and she just broke the silence but it's like man if you just had like 30 seconds before like if you cut 30 no, seconds yeah it's a weird right? like because she's like the bit is like she's giving like her part like telling her partner uh like b facts and she like literally like in that like edit like she like gets like half a joke out and then the guy like opens the door like it's it's weirdly it's like uh, the, yeah the way the movie's cut there's like no there's like no breathing room at all it feels like tiktok or you know it's uh, like do we know the length of this it's not crazy short uh it it's, is an hour and 45 minutes yeah. you know credits with credits it's probably more like an hour 35 so sure. not not yeah, a very I long probably movie. it i do think there's 
and and again this was one of my only real complaints is like i mentioned the the constant repeating of the beekeeper stuff i think there's <laughs> too much i think there's too much talking and the movie would be a lot better if after yes. the first 15 minutes when we understand the setup perfectly because it's the least confusing movie ever uh we just don't have to listen to side characters talk about beekeepers no, 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 no. because yeah. jason statham no. jason statham has maybe 10 lines in the whole movie that might even be generous like the guy does not really talk in the movie everybody very else good for talks, this role yeah everybody else talks jason about statham him. would kill it in like a silent night right that's true um he has great I mean, presence he's, he's well, got yeah a, exactly. it's like the same shit with keanu reeves and john wick and all four of those john wick movies keanu reeves has like 10 lines every time yeah. every movie he doesn't say great. shit yeah yeah like, he's great yeah like and, yeah but, the, but we need but less movies, of everyone else talking too yeah because yes. i don't give a shit about those two cops or fucking yeah i, I, I kind of like them a little Razzberg. no i do i do like <laughs> their existence in the story i think it's fine they're in um I just don't like I don't like I, how much exposition there is because I feel like there could have been more action. Like I feel like we didn't really need some of the yeah, you probably can that, edit a bunch of yeah. I think that having like a heart to the story, you know, because our um the the Jason Statham character isn't as empathetic, let's say, as like as um no. Keanu Reeves and John Wick is, right? Sure. Um, so like having like a different character, but and that's just it's like I think that's intentional. It's like part of the way that it's written. We don't see as much as like him personally, you know, because or whatever. But like so like having the heart of the character be the starter character, heart of the movie be the starter character in the FBI makes sense from a narrative perspective, right? Yeah. But man, they just say a lot of annoying shit that's in the I movie. Mean. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's like a combination of like I don't think those actors are that great and I the dialogue isn't that great either it's like it's just like not a great yeah. situation of like bad dialogue not great actor and we're just watching them like so so on the subject of things that you know conversations that we don't need to participate in let's talk about some of the other important side characters which is the main uh, villain who uh, is josh hutcherson and right. played by josh hutcherson yes. and then jeremy irons plays like an ex-cia yeah. operator who is like helping with this whole operation josh hutcherson is the guy responsible for this like phone scam network he's like at the very top yeah, yeah. and and i'll just reveal this third act thing now <laughs> so that we can talk about it as a whole but Josh Hutcherson's <laughs> mother is the president of the United States and okay. her campaign was financed by Josh Hutcherson's phone scamming operation. <laughs> and so Jason Statham's goal by the end of the movie is to get him. to the very top and kill the president of the United States. This shit is so stupid. Um, it rocked, when I tell you... <laughs> That to me, like <laughs> the reveal is the most fun. No, thing. The reveal is so and, like, dumb. It's so stupid. This is when I took out my phone. I told Kevin that I took out my phone. There was nobody else in the theater. Okay. I want to preface that. Yeah. But I took out my phone in the movie theater to write this down because I was so I was like, I cannot forget to bring this up. The reveal when they say um who like that who this his mom is, that his mom's the president, right? They go like Hello, Madam President. And then the sound, and then there's a sound here that goes, like, Oh my God. It's so fun. I I lost it in my seat. And I, I hope you guys agree with me, but I think it's even funnier 
because it was so obvious that she was the president the entire time. <laughs> like from the first second you hear about her character or like when you see her pop up, I'm like, that's the president of the United yeah. States. And then, and then they reveal it. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's, I mean, it's like so dumb. And there was a moment where the movie kind of tricked me to thinking like, oh, is this kind of based? Is this movie kind of like right. fucking awesome? And then yeah, it's not. Kinda, yeah. And then it's fucking not at the end. And it's like, no, oh, no. This not really. <laughs> it's like a bit um, of a cop out. Um, yeah. Because but, we'll, yeah. Anyway, uh, whatever. No, it's, it's a bit of a cop out. But it's, the the army third... is giving the fucking worst performance of life. Oh, my God. No, I'm not joking, guys. I, I didn't even realize that was Jeremy Irons. Like, like when we see when we see his character in the first or second and for like the first two scenes he's on screen, I'm like, man, like this seems like such like a we can't get Jeremy Irons, so we had to get like a guy doing a Jeremy Irons impression oh, thing. I mean, and he has the such third a scene, voice. I know, but like I it wasn't until like the third scene where I was like, oh, that's just actually Jeremy Irons. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I don't know like how much blame you can really put on him because the script is just really bad, but like he's not great in it. I don't think. No. The only person who's really good in it is just Jason Statham. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't really have to say a lot, and he's also just like doing his Jason Statham. Also, Marie, he's which, just being which, awesome. Like, cool Speaking as shit. of the cast, as like a little aside, can I, I? I heard about this, and I didn't realize it until after I saw this on on Twitter after watching the movie. But Minnie Driver shows up for a scene, but she left the movie early, so then she's just. So then she just doesn't pop up again. Like there's a scene like with like a uh I don't know if it's Jeremy Irons calling her or something. Oh like, yes, 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 she gets she's called like, on. Yeah, she gets called on the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then she, she never Jeremy pops Irons. up again because she got because she left the movie early. So like, oh, that's the only weird. scene of her they include. Well, it's obvious that she was on set for one day because she's in three different scenes, but they're all like it's her in the same location every time. Right. Yeah, and it's all on a phone. phone. Call. Yeah um i kind of forgot about her in the movie <laughs> um yeah she's, I, do. I, I don't really think we needed more of her though like no of course not i'm just saying like oh, I don't her her, really... her role in the narrative was just to be like I'm, it's the beekeeper buddy you're you're fucked yeah yeah yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah 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 which is again it's we funny don't even, a lot i don't of people even think we need that. her in the movie either <laughs> it's, it's like josh hutch um explains to jeremy irons uh the situation and then jeremy irons is like it's the beekeeper buddy you're fucked and then he yeah. calls mini and then jeremy irons calls mini driver and then mini driver's like it's the beekeeper buddy you're fucked and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. It, and it's like everybody know but on the subject of that i'm curious how you guys feel about this because there's a moment in the movie where another beekeeper the active beekeeper because jason statham is retired the active yeah. beekeeper is is hired to hunt down and kill jason statham <laughs> because he's not supposed to like do his beekeeping operations when he's retired. Uh, yeah, so yeah. she goes and hunts him down and he kills her so easily <laughs> that at this point in the movie, I was like, this guy had like nobody in the world can kill this guy. Mm -hmm. And this movie is now a vehicle for him to go through the rest of the movie, murdering everybody like pretty much completely untouched. Do you guys agree? Did you guys feel that way? I this okay so the the fight with the extra beekeeper raised a lot of questions for me about this universe right <laughs> for, like one of them being like 
they make it sound like there is both only one other beekeeper and also many other network of beekeepers. It was very confusing because because a mini driver tells Jeremy Irons, okay, they're sending the active beekeeper to go take care of him. And then Jeremy Irons just knew exactly who the fuck she was talking about. Right. Right. For some, somehow, but then, then after, he kills her mini driver then calls him back and is like so the beekeepers are now deciding to stay neutral so then it's like wait uh, like yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> maybe they just have like the next people in line waiting like it's like a hierarchy well, it's, like, it's like a hive and then they send there's like one guy on the in the field right. and that guy's in the field and then until that guy dies and they yeah, then the hive the drops the next guy out yeah, but it's really like dumb and pointless it's just it's just like <laughs> confusing because this guy, Jason Statham, is is a retired one, so you would yeah. think he's like not at the top of his game. But then the active one, who should be the the most effective, just like doesn't even sometimes come you retire on top, you know? Like, yeah, well, well, sure. But like, well, that's the thing but, about John Wick, right? But like, the movie communicates that the movie communicates right. that John Wick retired on is top. So like, yeah, yeah. Like, he's so good at what he does, which like it's fine <laughs> if that's the movie. But at that point, I was like, okay, if the active beekeeper looks like, uh, like you know what I mean, like a fourth grader trying to kill Jason Statham, <laughs> pulling out like, a mini I'm like, yeah, I'm like, there's no way that this guy can die. Like, it's just a, I mean, he's so good at it, um, mm-hmm. which like is kind of fun because then it sets up this third act that is just, you know, like we said, um, th- a lot happens in that third act, and he does ultimately get a scratch on him he does fight a guy who is not a beekeeper but like i don't what is that guy's role exactly like, what does he do he, he like, no he's he's like ex-military like yeah. gun for hire yeah sure. he's like um the beekeeper stop he's the beekeeper stop yeah he's, he's good at he's good at killing people yeah, yeah he's, he's the exterminator people. man um he uh well guy. he killed a beekeeper before but he lost his leg there's the whole situation <laughs> yeah which oh, okay okay <laughs> sorry um this movie i would not say that this is in, the movie's not incompetent filmmaking because it's it's like mostly pretty competent but it's also like there's just a lot of like bad filmmaking in it you know sure. like i already i mentioned like how like oh the editing super fast and then there's dumb stuff like like the reveal when it's like hello and then it's like ellipses madam president with like the bomb sound cube yeah, yeah, yeah. but in the big uh set piece at the end at like the party right um, mm-hmm. when it's like they're all at the the president's house, like the president's yeah. vacation house. Um, when this guy that we're talking about, um, like finds him at the vacation house, I swear to God, it's like one of the most baffling fucking edits I've seen in a movie theater in a while. I don't <laughs> go see like bad movies very often, and this isn't like like a really bad movie or anything. Wow. I like it, but um, he says like, okay, get on your knees, right? And Jason Statham is facing away from this guy. The guy come like the guy uh, that we're talking about this this gun for hire <laughs> and. And the FBI agent go over to him and they're like, get on your knees. Right. And then he does. And I'm not fucking joking. The next, and he's facing away from them. And then the next, and then it, the next cut, Jason Statham is facing towards them in the very <laughs> next fucking cut. And I'm like, what? It's silly. Did you, how did you guys feel about the actual action scenes? Really? I, they're fun. Yeah. They're I don't f- think they're, they're like fun. anything like, special but it's also just yeah. like i think it's just fun jason statham has this kind of energy and i think the movie kind of understands that it's just cool to see jason statham just beat the shit out of like a lot yeah. of people at once 
And I was. Those are the most fun moments for me. Is this one Jason yeah. Statham is just punching people? Yeah, they're not very well choreographed. That's what I, I. There's one part where I was like a little bit thrown off because there's like a scene where he's like running. It's in the third act, like at that big mansion place or whatever. And there's like a scene where he's running and he like kills someone, but you like can't even see what he did to kill them. And I was like, yeah. oh, that, that person just died, but I don't know what the fuck he just like. That's there's like some a few confusing things like that. There's also some moments that I think are like really fun though because there there was one scene that was like surprisingly gruesome with the elevator i was like oh that was yeah. cool i was when like the guy fucking gets shot yeah. in half that was cool i was like that was fucking well, cool the, um, the, the scene like where he it. takes out the guy with the like the exterminator kind of guy at the end like the big boss kind of guy he that shoots scene, him in the face that seems like fucking like very gruesome because they're they're like going back with one knife and yeah he's stabbing he like kicks out his leg and he like he shoots him in the. That yeah. was probably it's, the that, best. That, I think that scene. one was. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, one was that actually one well choreographed. Like that one was. And it's cool it's well choreographed watch. and it's pretty gruesome, and yeah. like it's it's kind of intense. Like he's kind of that's the one where it's kind of he wins ultimately, but the guy's fighting back like to a point where like we haven't really seen before in the rest of the movie because he's kind of just kicking out like waves of FBI agents with no really yeah uh, his effort. and operation it's like, is also. Like, like getting into this place and all of the setup is very interesting to me. The way he gets into like this finals, <laughs> like the, the 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 vacation house where the president is, is yeah. so stupid. It's so yeah. fucking stupid. Like, because yeah. you're sitting there and like you like you're seeing the like, showing the Secret Service like taking all the precautions and stuff, and you're like, oh, I don't know how he's gonna do this actually, right? And then you yeah. see him do it, and you're like, that was fucking dumb. Was fucking <laughs> yeah, dumb. Yeah, yeah. And no, it's also it, really funny when they when when they notice he's in the house and then it becomes like them talking over like their communications being like he's outside and he's inside and they're like yeah no. like bro like well, it can't be that hard to kill him at it's that point, funny because right? it's like, like i didn't really mind how he got in the house but then he was just kind of walking around like <laughs> with like just like normally like he was like invited to the party well, he like and lets then, like, himself he gets... get seen no yeah. it's like, i was almost like is he like getting him get seen on purpose because it's like he just walks in like with his Jason Statham face on and he's just like having like a yeah. drink and it's like they spot him instantly and then now they're like chasing him around the house it, I don't know it feels purposeful because like it feels like he did that on purpose because of how much he had set up how much he had ready like he had the trucks ready to explode and stuff but at the same time like we know that his goal is to get into that room where the president and her son yeah. is so like wouldn't it have been easier to forego all those steps and just go to that room and like kill whoever's on the way there you know what i mean i'm like i just yeah. feel like you could have gotten gotten there a lot quicker if you didn't call so much attention to yourself i don't think <laughs> this like is you even, wanted to fight people on the way there i don't think that this is even the dumbest thing he does in the movie i think the dumbest thing oh, he does in the movie no. is the scene is like the set piece before this right when he has to get into like before he finds out about uh Josh, the president's son, played by Josh Hutchinson, is like running the whole thing. Um, and it, there's like the big like New York um uh, building. Oh, it, it's in Boston, not New York. Sorry. The big yeah. like Boston building. Um uh right. And he, uh, oh. with the perimeter from the the FBI, he just walks up to all the P FBI people <laughs> having a conversation. And I'm like, bro, if they were so distracted that they didn't even notice you walking up to them having a conversation, you could have just walked into the fucking building. Yeah, yeah. Like, he well, walked up. 
they're like looking at like a tablet or something and he like comes over and he like basically like describes like what's going on in the thing yeah. it's like like nfl gag where the fucking other team guy goes up and looks at right, the table right. and it's like what the fuck and then he just kill like picks their ass he doesn't kill them he kicks no, their he- ass he kicks their asses, but it's another. It's. It, I mean, it's the same thing as the the big party at the end. Like it's just him like yeah. inviting more he, like, fights. Yeah, I, he, yeah, he wants to do it. He just but wants also, to kick everybody's ass, even if he doesn't need to, and he could totally yeah. just kind of like walk around. This is them. something that I thought was a little dubious while watching too, where I was like, how many like dudes that are just doing their job? It, did he, he like kill yeah. or severely <laughs> injure? Yeah, he yeah. doesn't really like, care. He has no um, morals. Well, he has a well, few moments. Like, he has a you few know, moments where he takes like a, a moral high ground. I mean, he well, like doesn't the kill, guy, the, he doesn't kill the FBI name, agent. Yeah, but the, like yeah, the, the FBI agent that's working with the daughter, he like lets go. Yeah, but like all of those and, in that same sequence where he doesn't kill the FBI agent, and he like um, but he kills all those fucking mercenaries that were guns for yeah, hire. Yeah, and it's like they have nothing to do with this. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, I do on the subject of bad decisions. <laughs> now that you bring it up, I'm thinking about the moment where he goes to that telephone operation and he like he sets up like he wires the thing and he's just like the next person that calls this is gonna go off and blow up and i'm like what if you what if somebody calls right now like i'm like then you just <laughs> blow up with it i'm like yeah you, no like that's not really, really a smart like, plan i'm like if somebody called while he was he set, could, i don't like it's like a weird fucked. like setup <laughs> where it's like you could have just had something like where he could like manually do it yeah. or something but he's like it's like a, a tri- triggered to like a phone call happening. Like, yeah, yeah it I'm was like, dude, if they called right away, this guy's blowing up with it. Like, and then it's over. <laughs> Bro, the, the CGI explosions that happened in this movie look so bad. It's it looks so bad. They're jolly. They're jolly. It's so um, silly. Do you guys January. have any? That's so January. You guys have any opinions on the ending and his getaway, his ultimate getaway? And he was fucking name Josh Hutchinson in the head. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Well, that's that like my my Josh big. I'm not even joking. The president. My biggest fucking problem with the movie is like there's the big conversation between the the second in command FBI guy, um, the president and the president's son, and the whole thing is like, yeah, it's like the president's son was the bad guy. The president didn't even know, and the president's gonna be like, no, I'm gonna be honest because I'm the president and I'm a good person, and I'm like, yeah, it's like this movie on. sucks. Fuck this movie, yeah. dude. Like I'm, that, that, part, no, that part, pissed, that part pissed me off as well because I was just like come on just like, make the president evil dude like what the yeah, fuck like <laughs> which is like you know not something that we're gonna get um especially not from a director who has previously made like blatant pieces of propaganda like i don't really think he has like the you know the most negative perception of, of what the president I mean, this probably though um this one what'd you say yeah. i haven't seen too many air flicks but this one's oh this sure is- uh yeah. this is definitely better than suicide squad on the other David Ayer I've seen. It's definitely better than Bright, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I have only seen End of Watch, and this is going to be a hot take for most people, but I, th- I think it's better than End of Watch. I mean, because End of Watch pisses me off. Let's go, man. David Ayer. We're, like, uh, we're pushing in the right direction. I will. Yeah. So, oh, too, I'm super pro. I want somebody else to direct it. I don't sure. want enough yeah. David Ayer to direct it again. It's um, it's going to be you're gonna get Kurt Wimmer back. You're gonna get David Ayer back, which is fine. But, I, the, I mean, this movie's fine. If, but if a good Wimmer, if a director, good director, Expendables four, if a good director directed the the sequel, 
does it just lose the appeal? Like, I feel like this movie works. No, it doesn't have to be like a good like, director, yeah. but I could still be like stupid. I think that, but I just want somebody that like with a, with a better eye for um like action set pieces to come okay, in. Sure. You know what I Cause that's like, that's the, that is like the biggest issue is like uh, the, a lot the way a lot of the action is shot. It's like, it makes, it's a little hard to follow, you know, yeah. um, Kurt Wimmer direct it. Kurt Wimmer. Kurt Wimmer wrote it. Um, Mm -hmm. He uh, well, he did ultraviolet and uh, that one Matrix. Oh, he did salt with with a Matrix uh ripoff with the uh, Christian Bale. Wait, yeah, I get no, get Kurt Wimmer to direct the next he, one. What the fuck? He's he's the guy. He wrote the Beekeeper. That was the big thing going in for this one. one. The great script of the year, to be fair. So that far. was the, the the big thing for this uh this one was it's David Ayer wasn't writing it. David Ayer mostly writes his projects. Yeah, and this was one of the first. I think this is the first movie he's done. That he didn't. I don't think he write. wrote. Did he write Bright? I don't think he wrote. Oh Bright. no, that was uh, that was that Max, Max Landis, Landis, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, oh, wait, he wrote. <laughs> they wrote Training Day. Interesting. But oh yeah. Um, so most of his projects he did write, but this is another. This is a big one that he didn't write, which is Kurt Wimmer. I like um I think I like Ultraviolet a good amount, but no. If they yeah. announced the Beekeeper two directed by Kurt Wimmer, I would be kind of stoked. Like that would be really exciting, yeah. actually. I, yeah, that's. Um, I feel, I feel it's gonna be it's gonna be running back with Air, but you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, what else um, does David Air have going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you guys ready to move on to Society of the Snow? We don't have to spend too much time on it because I don't know that. Any of us have a ton to say about this? I, have, I, I just, I just have a couple more things to say about the beekeeper. Oh, you real, have notes. I real forgot. quick, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I have notes that I. Um, okay. Um, there is some some office office Zoom stuff that happens a little bit. Yeah. Um, where mm -hmm. I was like, we need to move away from this as a culture, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too many movies are do, are, are reintroducing it. Um, yeah. But then also, I Owen hasn't seen this movie, but the like the the scene where it's um the president and josh hutchinson um like arguing right um mm -hmm. i swear to god it is shot like identically to the argument scene in anatomy of a fall <laughs> like it looks the <laughs> fucking same they're that's, shot so similarly that's um, david crazy. Ayer. david <laughs> um, Ayer. david Ayer was inspired by anatomy of a fall <laughs> And then there's yeah. um, there's there's a scene, and I don't want to be cinema sins, but there's just so many moments where I'm like, what the fuck, right? That are yeah. like so small. Um, I think each one of those is more fun. Like that makes it more fun for me personally. There's there's a scene where Jeremy Irons, right, is like trying to stop um, Jason Satham um, from getting into uh, the the room where the president is in, and Jason <laughs> Satham like That's grabs his funny. finger. I swear to God that that take where like he from like where he cuts or like the the movie cuts right and he grabs his finger and then throws him down and then it cuts again like like that one take in between the cuts is in two x speed like like I swear <laughs> to God like the whole thing is like actually sped up in post I swear to God it's ridiculous um anyways that's another thing I noticed All All right, right, let's get okay. him out of here get this I just noticed it I was like what the fuck <laughs> get this we guy will... out of here move on to society of the snow it was released on netflix uh on january 4th i it believe sucks. it's been a little over okay let me fucking Calm set down. up hey, the movie first um, all the people it's, getting it's this been, four stars it's been out for like a little over a week now it is streaming it is also a likely contender for best international feature at the oscars this year 
um, a likely nominee, I should say. If it uh, wins and, Best International Feature at the it will Oscars, not. we lost. It will, it, I we mean, lost. it won't win. No, it won't win. It has, I think it has oh, genuinely no way, like man. pretty much no shot at winning, although it could do a little bit of an all quiet on the Western Front thing since it's like another Netflix release that came very late. Well, that, did you see that one? Built though? up momentum. No. Um, I think all quiet on the Western Front is better than this movie, but that's a different conversation. Anyway. Society of the Snow is about the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571, which in 1972 uh, crashed and left the survivors stranded for like 70 something days. Multiple people died as a res- like during the crash and then after the crash because of the freezing cold weather or the avalanches or hunger. And, um, you know, we'll get into details, but that's the setup. This is a real story that happened um i believe there's 14 people who survived something like that 14 or 16 survivors not a um, lot yeah compared to like how many people were on the flight compared to how many people were on the flight yes um yeah. so pretty tragic story um and it is told in this movie uh very true to real life the movie is is kind of a by the numbers retelling from start to finish and and doesn't yep. really switch up doesn't really do anything i think and i know you guys you guys are going to say some negative things and we could get into that but mm-hmm. before that i do want to say the one kind of bright spot to me in respect like it's nice to see how much care they had for the people involved in this incident because a movie like this could have kind of changed the narrative to make it more appealing and had people, you know, turn against each other and fight or whatever, like to make it more interesting. This movie does not do that. And the people who were survivors said themselves that stuff like that never happened. The reason why they persevered was because of how they stuck together and there wasn't really stuff like that. So I, I will say that that's like a nice thing that the movie does, that it doesn't really care to change the narrative for and like, for entertainment, um, which could also be a negative. But well, that's what I was going to say. I, I, I think, entertaining bone in his body. Well, I think that um, it is kind of like a remarkable story. Like it's an insane thing that happened yes. in real life, like reality, which is different from cinema, right? Reality and cinema yes. are distinct yes. and not the same. And I think this yeah. is an incredible event that happened in reality with real people, right? Yes. I will say, uh, just because it's a remarkable thing that happened in real life doesn't mean it needed to be a movie. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's my biggest issue watching it. Uh. Here, here is my the question that I wanted to offer up, and specifically for Owen, who, spoiler, really did not like this movie at all. <laughs> really hated this movie. Um, because of what Doug just said, like because we know that this is like a, a true-to-life retelling of this, of this story, it, like... Is there a director who could have made you like this movie or would you have just not enjoyed this at all? Like if like is there anybody who like could have been brought onto this where you're like if somebody told this story the exact way that it happened in real life you would have been entertained or do you just not would this just well, not work okay. for you? Regardless? Let me get into my like point which kind of explains this. So I kept thinking about this like one Cassavetti's quote where he's talking about um adapting best-selling books into movies and how it's like not art and it's lazy and how like you're gonna take the best-selling book and just basically just retell it 
and make it a movie. And obviously people are going to like it and it's going to do well commercially, but that's just kind of commerce and that's just not really art. And I think while I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that statement, I think there's something to be said about just taking an exact like real life, <clears throat> real life situation and just copying it and just pasting it straight on film and how it's just kind of lazy and not really art. And there's like obviously plenty of really good and there's ways to do historical movies and real life things in film. But I think like just kind of copy and pasting like a real life event is like, I, I just prefer it to be a documentary. I don't well, think that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I just don't think there's like really yeah. that much. Uh, like there's, I don't know. It's really just kind of a hollow film and I don't know. There's not really much to get out of it. So I don't think like I would really get much out of anyone just kind of copying and pasting a real life event because it's like not like like yeah sure i'd probably like it more if it was like there was just better directing or better whatever but i just like there's an end point there where it's like it's there's not really much you can get yeah. out of just copying and pasting a real life event I, i'm just not really interested in i don't think the story like the story is whatever like the, the real life events like it's like whatever um but like I don't think it's the most interesting tragedy of all time or whatever. It's just a weird, I don't know. There's a weird thing of just like kind tell of being like, oh, tell us your top five most interesting tragedy. No, 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 we don't need no, 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 I'm, I'm just kidding. saying, I'm like, kidding. I'm just saying, like, it's like I don't know. I get I, what you're I, saying. I, it's yeah, a I weird it is thing not to be like, oh, that fucking sucked for those people. Let's make that a movie. I, I yeah. just I don't know really the goal here. I don't <laughs> yeah, I, don't I know think what that we're there's doing. There's something to say about like capturing like like using something like this as a vehicle to communicate uh like like human perseverance right like like uh I don't even know like I, and I, I don't even name other movies that are based off of real events that do that because I, I don't want to get yeah. like that feels almost gross to like just like power rank shit like yeah, this no. but it's yeah. like but like um but like there is like something to like be like oh you could use them like a story like this as like a jumping off point to communicate something about humanity but my thing is my, I think, my which like, i think the movie does the movie is trying to send trying. messages about humanity and perseverance mm -hmm. and faith as well there's like some religious ideas in there yeah. um like these you know these things do happen in the movie although not told in the most interesting way that's I the thing well because the whole time i don't know kevin if you agree with this right but it's like what kind of what kevin said sorry what owen said oh my gosh um while watching this i was watching it and i'm like it's not that interesting and like i think that the 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 decision to take the story which has already been adapted not in a great movie but has already been adapted into um into like the the the, the medium of cinema right and to yeah. just like try to do it again with this like this very sheen like digital like netflix look right with like uh these um you know whatever i yeah I, I don't think it looks amazing but whatever um right but like to do it again as like again another like pretty long like narrative story and like yeah. and your whole hook is like this is like the real story. This is we're doing yeah. like super yeah. like this is like what really happened. It's like, why don't you make it a documentary? You know? Yeah. I and it, it feels annoying to say it almost, but like it's because this is like an Oscar contender, like you have to imagine that if this was a documentary, it would probably win the best documentary Oscar. 
Um, like, but instead, this is what we get. I think the movie has two really strong things about it and or, or two strong moments. And the problem with those two strong moments is that one of them is at the beginning of the movie, which is the plane crash. And one of them is at the end of the movie, which is everybody being rescued. And, and there is about like two hours two in between those events. <laughs> um, I think I think when everybody rescues, when everybody gets rescued, it is like an overwhelmingly emotional scene because whether you you know liked everything that happened before it, it's an endurance test, and you have seen what these people have went through, and and you kind of have to feel emotional about the fact that they get rescued. Uh, and I think the plane crash is really effective because that shit was fucking scary. Like the way that it's set up it is. I, I do it's kind like, of a weirdly shot like sure. I don't know exactly how I like vibe with like it's yeah very like I think I don't even know I thought it was quite terrifying the way that I don't know that it's it's sticking to real life which uh like we know about the movie and so yeah. I think painting the plane crash as horrifyingly as they did makes sense um whether the you know i guess you could argue if they really needed to have a scene that shows everybody's bones getting crunched between the seats uh, well that's what i was like that i was like that is it's, crazy it's a pretty i, like, I didn't know that's yeah. what happened <laughs> and like um, i was like jesus christ but that's, like, that's what i'm saying though i mean that's you know true to real life in the sense that like that's a real horrifying plane crash. i mean like that's like the stuff that you don't typically get out of a plane crash scene in a movie, I guess. Um, but, you know, we know people were injured during the crash and people died during the crash. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it needed to be depicted that way, but I think in terms of evoking any kind of emotion, it definitely does its job. Um, but I think that the two hours between those two things start to get a little bit repetitive um it's just it's hard to really keep up with the endurance test though during those two hours because it's just a lot like you just i don't know it's they're they're it's 70 days or whatever right yeah um, um those days start to really like you're almost as a you know like as a viewer you're you're like really experiencing a lot of the things that happen to these people like you're which you're you all these days are blending point, together you know? yeah like all the these days are blending like together yeah, yeah but of course i don't think the form's interesting enough or like good enough to warrant an endurance test or like i don't think it's it's like yeah it's a badly made movie i don't think it's like a competently bad movie that's just like oh it's you know if you're gonna say like it's long because if they're out there for long what's well, like okay, well, it's, that doesn't warrant, like, just lazy filmmaking and making it long, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. it's just... I will say, we were talking a lot about how, like, the movie is so real, right? And, it, like, the movie is, like, like what really happened, or, like, trying to, like, communicate what really happened. And that's the hook of it, and that's, like, kind of, like, the selling point of the movie, if you wanted to, if, like, pitch the movie to somebody, right? Well, that's and it's, how it, oh, feels. So, it feels like I'm getting sold something. So <laughs> horrifying, and, like, look how terrible this is. And, again, yeah. it feels gross, because we're, we're talking... Listen, we're talking about cinema, right? Which is which is entertainment. And this at the end of the day, this is a Netflix movie that is created yeah. for entertainment. This is content, right? Um, yeah. 
but it, it does feel gross because we are talking about something that really did happen. That was like a really terrible thing that happened in, in, in real life to real people. Yeah. However, again, this is content that we're talking about here. I don't I like uh um I lost my chain of thought, but <laughs> oh no, because what I was saying is like the way that the movie is shot, it's not invoking reality, you know. It doesn't it, sure. it it's not I don't think that it does it's not invoking people laying there being in like an actual um you know laying there in the cabin after the snowstorm covered in snow like like it, it's i don't think that the way that the, mo the movie is invoking reality like that so that's where i think it's kind of becomes a little bit interesting because like it's very stylized with like these like these super wide angle lenses and these um i don't know yeah i don't know i get what you're saying um we like i said we don't have to spend too much time on it is there anything good about the movie <laughs> you guys want to touch on i mean i I will say I I do think the ensemble is mostly doing a pretty good job. There's not really a main character in this movie, um, but I think everybody does a pretty good job. I think there's like a few moments in that in between time that are genuinely like kind of solid. I think there's like a nice scene where they're all in the plane kind of like rhyming and there's like a real sense of how much they're all going through this with each other and and that scene definitely was pretty touching to me like i think there's a few moments like that throughout that you know that i think are are pretty effective um yeah i don't hate this movie owen hates this movie i think the movie's yeah. fine like i think it's <laughs> I, I, no i think it's like i just think the movie's kind of whatever you know um yeah. uh there's like it's like there's like fine moments i think it's the but that's also what I mean too, because like while watching it, I, I was thinking about that. Um, I think it was it was either a variety interview or um maybe it was a Hollywood reporter interview with Robert Downey Jr. Um when it was like really early in his press run campaign for Oppenheimer. Um, and they were talking about like he brought up how uh, you know, like I'm in movies that are content and I'm in movies that are art. And they kind of like go through like, oh, like, okay, so is this thing that you're in? Is this content or art? And he would be and it would just be like right. art content. Yeah, I was yeah, about, yeah. And I'm watching this and I'm like this and is... I don't and I don't necessarily like to separate like like cinema like that, you know, sure. yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. watching this and I was thinking like this kind of does feel like content, you know? Yeah, um, well, that's that's a big issue for me with this. It's like I don't think we should be making content about like real life shit. And like it's like the way that it's being it's sold as like an idea of like we're going to show how really these people like fucking suffered. And it's just like shit uh, kind of in this like box as like this like piece of like oh this is like it feels like manufactured to be uh high art you know it's it feels like it's manufactured like oh wow this is like a really important film because this is how it really happened in this real event which it feels like uninspired and really lazy art it's, it feels like calculating art on how like the public will take it rather than like making something um, yeah. it's very i don't know did I don't you abide by that process kevin so do you watch um uh like a <laughs> like like a like a documentary right um but like like kind of like kind of like a shittier documentary like a dateline or something right okay. about like a true crime you know and um and while the narrator's talking they have the the dramatic like the dramatic retelling right where it's like act, like shitty actors playing through yeah, sure. like the actual events right um, 
this whole movie kind of just felt like that part of the documentary, you know, where it was like, and I'm, and I'm calling like the actor shitty or whatever, but I'm just like saying where it's like the whole movie just kind of felt like, like that. There's part I of don't, the I d- like yeah, I didn't love how much it was committed to like, to like really setting thing. It, it almost is like really setting things up like a documentary. You get like a title every time there's a new day and you also get on screen text every time somebody passes away with like their name and age which again that's what i was saying at the beginning i'm like this is a movie that like really cares about the people who were involved but i feel like you could really care about them and make a documentary about them instead like i really like i really do uh, the, you know? the movie like, might as well have had a, a narrator come in and be like well on, like there is the like voice and Newman like, was very <laughs> yeah but... well there is like this really bad voiceover like from one character mm-hmm. and i think voiceover is a, t- a, tr- uh, a tricky thing to do because i think like effectively um it's really great but i think a lot of most times it's not really yeah like, I think one thing I, something I get, it's bad a lot of times one thing i do want to bring up while we're on the subject that i i think I, you know, we could end here if you guys don't have anything else to say, but I, I think it's kind of frustrating that part of the reason why this ends up being this movie that you guys don't like and how you're saying it should have just been a documentary and how this is a movie that cares so much about the people involved is them realizing that if you care about those people and you want their stories to be told you have to do it as a Netflix streaming movie and not a documentary because likely nobody would watch it as a documentary. Like that's just the truth of like documentary filmmaking in 2024 is that a lot of people don't watch documentaries and to be able to tell this story about these people, they knew that it would be the number one movie on Netflix for a week. They knew that millions of people would watch it. That's why the, the documentaries that gets a number one on Netflix are true. Crime. I don't think true, the guy who made movies, this it's true crime miniseries, that. right? Yeah. It's like right. shit like that. Yeah. But even like the movie, like, you know what I mean? Like when they do those true crime movies on Netflix, they're number one for like a week or two or whatever. Um, that doesn't really happen with any other documentaries. Uh, and, I and I think that that's like kind of a sad reality that people really would only be able to experience the story the way that it's told because the way that it's told ends up being a movie that you guys don't really care that much about and we probably would care a lot about this as a piece of documentary filmmaking but most people might not um but also like this is such a well-documented event and it has been for for so long you know that it does it's like why like the, the, the like the the question of like retelling it you have to ask like the intention you know it's like yeah oh because they've made another movie about this event right yeah, yeah they made a movie in the 90s well, i'm pretty sure called the line yeah it's and it's not like the that movie's i've i had to watch the movie in school when i was in high school um for uh for some reason i forgot the circumstances but I, so i've seen that movie before it's not very good it's like it's like sure. a mostly competent american film you know but it's but like it's a, it's a popular story yeah, but that's what I mean. It's such a popular story. Like the 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 intention of being like, okay, now we're like whatever forty years or whatever how long it's been uh, removed from this well documented, very popular story. Like, what is your intention for retelling it other than being like it's shocking and very powerful or whatever? Yeah. You know? like no, it just right. really feels like it's still it's still shocking enough, and it's still kind of like again when I go back to that, like 
it's a it's like a best-selling book like it's you know everyone like that heard of the story it's like wow that's really crazy so it's like it's really easy sell and that's just it feels like that is it that's the reason for making something like this is that it's a really easy sell of like a, an idea and it's just like okay what else there's really just nothing else there other than like this is an easy sell of like a true story i just yeah. don't think so i don't know it's a weird kind of thing that exists that i don't really understand uh the well i kind of i guess i do understand the positive reactions towards it i just i don't know yeah um i just don't agree with them i will yeah, say that know. like some of the positive and i don't want to maybe i shouldn't even say this oh um, no, i it's like and i'm not i hate to criticize our peers and i'm this isn't even me criticizing our peers this is just me like i had such a different experience with this movie you know that i'm like that i'm trying to like get on the same level as them and understand where they're coming from some of our peers on letterbox um like popular reviews almost read like they're sponsored with how positive they are like i don't say that they are letterbox in general it's like i was gonna say you you have to like reviews i um, i like i literally the one thing i was going to say is that i went on the letterbox page i think this is when i watched it so two days ago now but um or no it was yesterday uh i went on the letterbox page yesterday and i scrolled through the popular reviews because of how much people like the movie a negative one just doesn't exist. And Owen didn't write a review. If Owen wrote a review, it would be the most liked negative one. Yeah. But I scrolled through about like 40 or 50 yeah. reviews. You don't hit a negative one. There's not a negative review on this movie that has likes. Yeah. Um, so Very like, people strange, are overwhelmingly right? positive about this yeah. movie, um, which again, I think circles back to what we were saying. The, the subject matter, like it makes sense. And I think, it makes sense that people like it because of the story being told and because a lot of people get invested in stuff like that. I don't, this is, maybe this is a good thing to end on because I, I, you know, I don't know if I really relate to this, but I think people are really drawn towards these kind of human survival movies, you know, like movies about stuff like this. And previously they've even been like, movies that get awards attention you know like what uh 100 what is it 127 hours what is that movie yeah, Where, like that was 128 hours i almost yeah. brought that up i almost brought that up but then i didn't because i was like that's I right don't like but, and i'm not saying i'm not saying it in like a bad faith way i'm saying like that's yeah. a like that was a best picture nominee like i think people tend and by to all accounts be, a very good movie it's a danny Boyle yeah, movie like like people really tend to be drawn towards these movies of human survival i don't know that i always am and maybe that's no, the don't. disconnect for me. Like, I don't know that these are movies that I really always, like, sit through. But they are movies that I have sat through in documentary form and been really moved by. Because there's that movie, The Rescue, about the people, about the soccer team who gets stuck in a cave. And they got, they had right. to bring in professional cave divers to save mm -hmm. them, which was also adapted into a movie. Ron Howard uh, movie? Yeah, Ron Howard made is? 13 Lives, which is the, they came out the same year too, the documentary and Ron oh, Howard's okay. movie. And they're both telling the same story. I have not seen the Ron Howard movie, but the documentary is so moving. Like it, it is like, I cried like, 15 times like it is very fun effective. fact about that i don't know if it's the ron howard movie or if it's a documentary but one of those was pta's favorite movie of that year 
Oh, oh shit! No, I think it's, I, I think it's people, the Ron Howard movie. People people really like people Ron Howard said movie. the Ron yeah. Howard movie was very good. Um, but the documentary is also an excellent piece of documentary filmmaking from excellent documentarians. The people who made Free Solo, like they're the the, the oh, duo yeah. that made Free Solo, they're very uh, they have made now kind of some questionable choices. They're the they also have directed their first feature this year, which is Nyad, and will oh. maybe be nominated oh, yeah they're the directors yeah, of Benny. naiad hey, future um, future best picture nominee naiad. No, well, oh, we could talk about that in a, winner. In a minute, but um no but like they their first two documentaries are the rescue the one i mentioned in free solo mm-hmm. um like they're good documentarians and that works i think when you tell those kinds of stories especially with the ideas that this movie is trying to get across about you know human perseverance and faith and whatever it works well in documentary form like it will it will certainly work if you told this story that way i don't know i got i hate to like you know beat a dead horse with this thing and just kind of like over and over again say that like this probably should have been a documentary but that's no, just but i think i guess how no, we but feel. i think i think interrogating um, the intention of this movie is is interesting because i think that yeah. all of us like um we're all like various degrees around the same part owen's very negative obviously but me and kevin are both pretty in the middle on this yeah, movie like i like it um, but i don't care much more than that uh, but i think like, like interrogating the intention behind it is interesting because like why did j.a uh bayona want to direct this movie you know like, yeah it's just it's, know, why did j.a well, so bayona also... do this <laughs> <laughs> why did the jurassic <laughs> world <laughs> direct this movie? Oh, brother. <laughs> come and think it's very funny apparently <laughs> <laughs> did someone just <laughs> what is happening when you heard that right? yeah yeah I heard what it. happened <laughs> i didn't hear anything I'm I, think so I think you i think your your thing froze dog and it sounded like you farted oh my god oh. i didn't fart maybe it was my what? chair or something okay. oh <laughs> No, but on that point, like he made, we were talking about this last night. I mean, I would have had to fart loud as fuck for my mic to pick it up, too, <laughs> if I did fart. <laughs> it's just nice for having this conversation last night. Um, but the director also did that, like, other movie with Tom Holland and Ewan McGregor. That's also, yeah. like, a disaster uh, the movie. The Impossible, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, like, coming becoming, like, a pattern where he's interested in these stories of, like, just, like, human perseverance and, like, people just getting like the shit kicked out of them by like natural and like just like disasters basically um which is like okay i i just i don't know it's he's got a weird filmography where it's like jurassic well, world and then well that's what i was gonna say like Jurassic. those two movies the impossible and society of the snow those are his only attempts at like 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 prestige like serious yeah. filmmaking uh, no he did he i think that movie uh what is it a, a monster calls uh is like come on no like that's like a no no, no. i haven't seen it so I, I don't know like <laughs> like people like that movie like it's like you know yeah like... i'm sure people do i just i it's a weird he, he's like i don't know i don't trust this man sure 
Well, because it's like he directed some episodes of the Rings of Power, I think. Um, yeah. and um, like, yeah, I think he sucks. I think he's okay. a hack. Okay, okay, yo, oh, that's yeah. somewhere down I mean, here. listen, I'm not gonna like give a lot of pushback, uh, and I'm not, gonna really, I'm not gonna really take the side of a guy who made one of the Jurassic World movies. Like, that's just you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just how it goes. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts on Society of the Snow, or do you guys want? To yeah, final to thought lives? is, um. No, never mind. I was gonna be mean to people in letterbox. Uh, no, just... no. <laughs> I think it's, it's a good learning fine. point. I think this is a good fork in the road, and we can leave this behind. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, we're gonna talk about some award stuff because lots has happened in the past week or two. Here, we'll start with the Golden Globe, uh, Golden Globe winners. Um, we'll go through each category. You know, I, I know you guys don't care much about the Golden Globes. We don't have to say much. We're, the, the other stuff we're going to cover is that the SAG nominees, the DGA nominees, and the PGA nominees were announced. Some of those are, are pretty big uh, indicators of what we might get in the Oscar category. So we could have more conversation when we get to that part. But let's just kind of get through the Golden Globe winners first. Um, and if you guys have anything you want to add as we go through each winner, you can feel free to share. Uh, we'll start with Best Picture Drama, which was between Anatomy of a Fall, Codes of the Flower Moon, Past Lives, Zone of Interest, Maestro, and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was the winner. Um, you know, when we look at Oscar outlook, I think it's fair to say that Oppenheimer, it, it would be tough for Oppenheimer to lose the Best Picture race at this point. Obviously, plenty could happen. Um, but it's like a giant movie. I mean, it it will likely leave the Oscars with a whole lot of wins. Um, and I think we're all in agreement on that, right? Um, uh, that Oppenheimer is going to win Oscars? Like yeah. several, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> I add. Okay. And then in, the, then in the Best Picture Musical or Comedy category, we had Air, American Fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, May, December, and Poor Things. Uh, Poor Things was the winner and maybe shaping up to be the strongest contender against Oppenheimer. Although I, I think you can make the case for the holdovers as well. Yeah, I would argue um, that the holdovers. Oh. Yeah, those kind of seem like the two movies that have positioned themselves the best to to possibly upset Oppenheimer. Okay, are, and we're specifically talking about the, was that loud? No. Um, okay. Sorry. No. And we're specifically talking about uh, the best picture race, right? Yes. Yes. So I want to say this is something that nobody ever interrogates. And the shit like this is the reason why fucking movies like uh, Coda wins best picture sometimes mm -hmm. is that fucking the Oscars movie. are. Uh, listen, Coda's not a terrible movie. I don't want to. Don't wanna be too aggressive about it. But, um, but, um, but it shouldn't have won best picture. But the sure. way that the Oscar does. Does its voting for sh like the awards like Best Picture is different from other award shows yeah. where it, it's ranked choice, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like some stuff that like you might not really consider like could win because yeah. of how ranked choice workings works. And I think that's something to consider is like Killers of the Flower Moon. I think could just slip in and accidentally win Best Picture because of yeah. ranked choice voting. My my only thing with the ranked choice vote that I think is worth bringing up is that. Oppenheimer is not going to be at the bottom of anybody's list. Yeah, that's why Oppenheimer is just going to win, right? Yes, like <laughs> because Oppenheimer, even if somebody says like, "Oh, I want Anatomy of a Fall to win" or whatever, they're going to have Oppenheimer in like second, third, or fourth. Like nobody's yeah, exactly. looking at the list yeah. of Best Picture nominees and putting Oppenheimer in tenth. It's just, it. I mean, sure, a few people might, but 
that's going to be a very small group of people that are putting it that low on their list. Um, then in Best Motion Picture Animated, the nominees were The Boy in the Heron, Elemental, Across the Spider-Verse, Super Mario Bros., Suzume, and Wish. And The Boy in the Heron mm-hmm. won. This is a two-movie race. It's The Boy in yeah, the Heron Wish. or Across the Spider-Verse. I think people um, are saying that. I think this is kind of like just a one-movie race. I um, think the boy in the people Heron are pretending like it's a two movie yeah. race. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, Into the Spider Verse like won an Oscar previously. Um, yeah. Across the Spider Verse was received as well as Into the Spider Verse. But also, like, so, Into the Spider Verse didn't beat a Miyazaki movie. Yes. That year. That's, that's, that's you know. What did it beat? Um, I, other cartoons? So, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the boy in the Heron. the Incredibles. Is, is probably going to be the best animated feature at the Oscars. Then in best motion picture, non-English language, which is, you know, <laughs> great, great I, name for the award, but well, especially um, some of the movies fucking running in that award. Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. So the nominees, the nominees were anatomy of a fall, fallen leaves, <laughs> IO Capitano, past lives, society of the snow and the zone of interest. And the winner was anatomy of a fall, which I a think movie is a, that's in English. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes in English, but yeah, most of the um, time, even sure. Uh, sorry. Good time. No, you're right, but it's also it's, it's just it's it's, it's worth. Annoying. I mean, the the thing is, it doesn't really matter because Anatomy of a Fall will not be contending for best international feature at the Oscars. It will be contending right. for other Oscars, but it is not France's choice for best international feature. Kind of a baffling um, decision. Um, yeah, interesting choice. Uh, but I wonder if the Taste of Things gets into that category. It's very popular. People I like that seen movie it. a lot. Um, I haven't seen. Yeah, none of us have seen it because it's hasn't been fucking released in theaters i don't think it gets released until uh, like next month or the month after i don't know i don't even know if we'll be able to see it before the oscars but um anyway anatomy of fall won that it won another award which we'll get to later but i like i think anatomy of fall is kind of worth talking about as like a, a an important movie as we near the oscars because uh we could even just skip ahead and say it. it also won best screenplay like it could be a serious contender to win a screenplay award at the Oscars. And I, and I think it's success at the globes is maybe an indicator that at this point, like the Oscars from now on are always going to nominate an international film, like at least one in the best picture category. I think it's pretty safe to say anatomy of fall is going to be a best picture nominee. Um, Yeah. And it could have some success. I saw some people say that Anatomy of the Fall should be the favorite to win Best Original Screenplay now, if you're doing predictions. I don't know if I'd go that far yet, but, but. I I think I think it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a good screenplay. I, I wouldn't like be upset about it. It's, um, it is also a very screenplay movie, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, next award, which we can quickly gloss over, but I, you know, I have them all written down. Of course, the Cinematic and Box Office Achievement Award, which uh, I won't list all the movies, but Barbie was the winner. Um, the highest-grossing movie of the year was the Cinematic and Box Office Achievement Award winner. So um, that pretty much renders the category meaningless. I, yeah. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. The winner like, is just the most successful movie. I don't like. Do you... We were talking to some of our friends about this, and a lot of people, I think, reasonably were like, "This award doesn't make any sense." And like, we're even like saying confused. We're being like, "Well, shouldn't Barbie just automatically win because it won the most money?" And my perspective was like, "I think the award is kind of interesting if like you do kind of take like a like a more like broad, yeah, like something, yeah, like like." Like if you gave it to Oppenheimer, or yeah, if like if you gave it to Oppenheimer or the Eras Tour, 
or something kind of like that, like interesting like that, and not just the movie that made the most money. Yeah, like the movie that you knew was going to make a ton of money made a ton yeah. of money. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. It's uh, whatever. Um, we're gonna get into some of these acting categories here at the Globes now. Uh, Best supporting actress was between Davine Joy Randolph, Danielle Brooks, Emily Blunt, Jodie Foster, Julianne Moore, and Rosamund Pike. Um, this is out of all the acting categories the I mean, it's not, not even a competition close. anymore, I don't think. Like, I, I don't really... Maybe at the Oscars, somebody like Danielle Brooks has, has a like, the slightest bit of a chance, but, like, Dave Andre Randolph is, is winning this award for the holdovers. Um, I, I, like, you could... Yeah, I don't know. Do they have... They have, like, betting for the Oscars, right? Yeah. I mean, she has to be, like, a minus 5,000 favorite or something. <laughs> like, I just... I, she's not losing this Oscar, probably. Um, and then in the best supporting actor category, the nominees were Charles Melton, Mark Ruffalo, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, and Willem Dafoe. Robert Downey Jr. was the winner for Oppenheimer, which is kind of a, a show of strength for Oppenheimer and other categories. Yeah, like if it if it wins technical categories, and it also is going to win multiple acting categories potentially. Um, the, yeah. Kind of what I was suggesting, it could just could just dominate across every category it's nominated in. Um, yeah, I, you know, obviously I wanted Charles Melton to win. I don't hate Robert Downey Jr. winning though. Like, I mean, it's yeah. like your favorite movie, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, but that's the thing. It's like, it's not even my favorite supporting performance in the movie, but yeah. um, I get why it's getting the love that it's getting because it is a good performance. Like, I do think he's great. I think the, the more interesting discussion um, is, is Charles Munson even going to get nominated yes, at the Oscars? Not, which we're going to talk about. We'll talk about that when we get to the SAG nominees, but um, best actress, musical or comedy, Alma Poitze, Emma Stone, Fantasia Barino, Jennifer Lawrence, Margot Robbie, and Natalie Portman. And Emma Stone was the winner here. Um, and I'll just, just a bunch of these together. I'll read the best actress drama, which was Annette Benning, Kaylee Spaney, Carrie Mulligan, Greta Lee, Lily Gladstone, and Sandra Holler. And Lily Gladstone won that one. It seems as though the Oscar race is kind of between Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone now. Um, those were the two respective winners in those categories. I, I, I do think I would lean towards Lily Gladstone being the Oscar winner at this current moment in time. Um, it's very it's, possible Emma Stone wins the Oscar. It's very my, possible. I, my take is that it's kind of fucking crazy if Lily Gladstone does not win the Oscar for the support. It is I, insane. Yeah. I mean, I am in the same boat. I like. I think she's kind of the obvious winner, but um, um, I'm not, I don't know. Dumber things thing have happened. Like, yeah, it's also just like, I don't... In, in another year, it might annoy me more, you know? Like, because this isn't much different than the um, race that we got between Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett, which ah, could have gone either way. I think it's um, different because Michelle Yeoh shouldn't have even been nominated. <laughs> okay, that's like a little crazy. But, um, like, I'm fine with her being nominated. Uh, um, no, I, I think that's like a reach. But I'm just saying, I, I think it, this is a little bit different because I think Emma Stone is really good in poor things. And like, I wouldn't hate her being a winner in any other year it's just i think it would be a shame if she ends up winning over lily gladstone who should be a winner in every year <laughs> like it's just i mean it's one of the great like oscar contending performances that that we'll ever get yeah um so yeah i don't know and then in the best actor categories 
musical or comedy, Jeffrey Wright, Joaquin Phoenix, Matt Damon, Nicolas Cage, Paul Giamatti, and Timothy Chalamet. Paul Giamatti was the winner there. And then in the drama category, Andrew Scott, Barry Keegan, Bradley Cooper, Killian Murphy, Coleman Domingo, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Killian Murphy was the winner there. And similar to the Best Actress race, it now feels a lot like it's a Killian Murphy versus Paul Giamatti uh, race for the Best Actor Oscar. Um, probably likely the only two guys who could win it at this point. Um, mm-hmm. uh, best screenplay, I mentioned An Anime of a Fall was the winner. Best original score was between Across the Spider-Verse, Poor Things, The Boy and the Heron, Oppenheimer, The Zone of Interest, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Oppenheimer was the winner there. I think that's another one of those technical categories that Oppenheimer will be picking up at the Oscars, obviously. Um, although there's some good scores there, but I mean, they're all good scores, but you know, I, I, I don't see Oppenheimer losing that one. Um, and then finally, we don't really give a fuck about it, but best original song, Addicted to Romance, Dance the Night, I'm Just Ken, Peaches, Road to Freedom, and What Was I Made For? What Was I Made For? Was the winner. Um, good song. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, Child likely. I yeah, that's uh, that's not going to be an Oscar nominee probably. I'm curious. No, it's I, definitely it's not even. It didn't make the shortlist. Yeah, the that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. So Damn, I wonder what the Oscar nominees for this category will be, and if we it, it might just be the, the same. All three. The, yeah, well, like other than I, I guess if you take out Peaches, then because there's only five Oscar nominees and there's six here, so I guess if yeah. you take out Peaches, these five. Yeah, which is just like crazy for Barbie to get three nominations for original song, but it's like. I don't know. It makes sense. I don't really know that there's I don't know all that much competition. Anyway, now for more perspective, Oscars talk like the stuff that really matters here. The SAG nominees. Um, this one matters less because it's not an Oscar category, but outstanding performance by a cast was American Fiction, Barbie, The Color Purple, Colors of the Flower Moon, and Oppenheimer. Um, it's Oppenheimer. <laughs> Why doesn't Asteroid City get nominated for any awards? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Um, um, especially because I, I can. Uh, it's interesting that American Fiction is getting the outstanding cast. Like, I, I get it for Jeffrey Wright, and I get it for Sterling K. Brown as a supporting actor. And I get that in general, the performances are pretty good. But like, if you stack that up against something like Asteroid City, I mean, Jeffrey Wright and Willem Dafoe are like the eighth and ninth build actors in Asteroid City, you know, like, (laughs) Um, yeah, it's a bit crazy. I don't know. Um, But again, that award less meaningful because it's not an Oscar. Um, So as far as Oscar conversations go, supporting actress nominees for SAG are Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks, Penelope Cruz, Jodie Foster, and Devon Joy Randolph. Um, again, we already said that she will win for the holdovers, but um, also but Penelope Cruz being nominated here is the big surprise of all. That's what I was going to say. And the the SAG, the SAG nominees, like nominations for especially for stuff like acting, these acting awards yeah. matter way more when it comes to like predicting. Yes. Uh, like yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's pretty possible that Penelope Cruz is an Oscar nominee for Ferrari. Um, yeah. Which would be cool. Like that's like, that's a cool welcome surprise as far as these, I don't know if you guys were in agreement when you saw these, I made a video about it, but I, I thought these SAG nominations kind of in general were really disappointing, but that was like the one bright spot was Penelope Cruz getting a nomination for me. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of like weird misses here. I guess the supporting actress category is the least 
offensive of the bunch because we know who's going to win already, but like a little bit shocked to not see Julianne Moore here for May, December, May, December was completely shut out of all these nominations, by the way. I want to throw it out Um, there. I, I predicted this. I didn't predict it on the podcast. I predicted, I predicted this in private, but I did predict that May, December was going to get the shut out at the Oscars. Um, We're not there yet, but Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the nominations, but it wouldn't wouldn't be surprising. (laughs) Um, And then in the supporting actor category, uh, Sterling K. Brown, Willem Dafoe, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., and Ryan Gosling, which, speaking of the shutout, obviously, Charles Melton, like you hinted at before, not a nominee for Best Supporting Actor. So it's quite possible he's not an Oscar nominee, which is a crazy thing to think about. Well, because I don't want to get into this, like, how people talk about award shows. Um, it's like at these critic shows, right? At these critic, like the New York, the New York uh critic like new york film circles or like critics or whatever it's called right what like these award shows that are um just ran by critics um uh they like they really like may december more than people in the industry they uh they and they gave charles melton like like best like they they he won he was he was winning several awards yeah but like these award shows were like ran by critics right and, right and, and critic taste and academy tastes aren't the same thing so i think people sure. talk themselves into like oh is charles melton a front runner um because yeah. like like critics and, and like in it. reality it's been robert downey jr this whole time yeah like, um I, I listen i i was always of the opinion like i was never like getting as confident as some of the other charles melton supporters but i was always of the opinion that he would at least be a nominee like i think it would be quite a shock if he's not an oscar nominee but like it's looking very possible because even in this category another thing worth mentioning is that mark ruffalo didn't get nominated for four things yeah that's um, crazy which <laughs> makes crazy. no sense because willem dafoe is nominated and it's really interesting that that's the pick they make because when we talked about poor things on the podcast like i mentioned i i think willem dafoe is really good in the movie but like Mark Ruffalo is obviously the one who should be getting a nomination if, if it's only between the two of them. Um, so him getting shut out of the SAG nominations completely is a bit ridiculous. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, bit of a surprise. Like w- his name was being floated around, but like I, you know, I think most people expected to see Charles Melton or Mark Ruffalo there. Um, I, I don't hate that. I think he's good in American fiction, but I don't. I mean, obviously, Mark Ruffalo should be nominated over him. Um, what can you do? And then in our lead categories, lead actress nominees are Annette Benning, Lily Gladstone, Carrie Mulligan, Margot Robbie, and Emma Stone. This is Annette Benning. Maybe maybe the award category that got award to lose. Butch- okay, I mean, th- this category got butchered. Let's go. Like, this is. I, I this one really pissed me off because like Sandra Holler has been the third name in that race this entire time. Like it has been Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone at the top and then Sandra Huller right behind them. And she doesn't even get nominated. Um, and Annette Benning does for Nyad, which is like awesome. I, okay. I mean, you're never going to watch Nyad, but <laughs> I watch it every night before bed. Okay. Yeah. It's actually um, his nightlight. He, he's, he's like, okay. yeah. all right. Me sleep but like, right you know what? I mean, even not even just Annette <laughs> Benning, but like, I don't like it's it's just upsetting. I will say um, though, Nyad, I haven't watched it because I won't like it. And I I'm sure the performances are great. I'm sure they're great. 
it's an I'm Oscar not sure about movie. that. It is an Oscar yeah, ass sure. movie. Um, no, yeah. and I'm sure they they're bully them as much as I'm they sure they're good Bradley in Cooper. the movie. Like I don't, I don't care about their performances specifically. But something that I said yeah, that I, don't I think care we about can them all. Either. Okay, shut up. I do like Annette Bening, but I, I think something we can all agree on is that we'd Obviously rather see not. performances get nominated for good movies rather than good performances in mediocre movies. Like, like we would rather all of the best acting nominees be people who acted in good movies. Um, but Kevin so, Nyad is good. That's what okay. they're telling you. That's I have not watched. I have not watched Nyad. I, I don't think I will feel good. that way about it, but I will watch it before the Oscars. If it ends up actually getting Oscar nominations. Don't um, do that. No, I'll watch it. I'll watch. I always, I always watch the Oscar nominees. I'll watch it, but I, I really hope that Sandra Huller gets an Oscar nomination. That's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I yeah, always good in that movie. I don't know. Yeah, um, and then lead actor: Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti, Killian Murphy, and Jeffrey Wright. Um, also, I mean, we said Who's Paul missing? Giamatti and Killian Murphy are. Uh, Who's missing? Yeah. Um, you, sounded, you sounded concerned. You just sound Some, sad. And... Somebody's missing. I I don't oh Leonardo DiCaprio's missing for Colors of the oh, Flower Moon. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, was I was like, I was like, there was like I was like, there was a big miss here. Yeah, Leonardo nah, DiCaprio is not nominated. Um it's it's kind of the same thing that we said about Nyad, and I have not seen the movie, but I do not really know a single person who feels differently about this movie. Coleman Domingo getting nominated for Rustin is a little bit strange because yeah. nobody really likes that movie out of the people who watched it. And Coleman Domingo also, like, I listen, I think he's a really good actor. I, yeah, Euphoria, you wanted, shout out. If you wanted to give him credit, though, he also gives a great game. supporting performance in The Color Purple. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think it would have made more sense to nominate him as a supporting actor for The Color Purple than it does oh, to nominate yeah. him for Rustin and Lee. These Rustin ratings are kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's yeah, what I'm they're saying. rough. It's a, it's, it doesn't seem like a very good movie, but he's he's what one of the nominees. It, I will only watch it if it gets nominated for an Oscar. If it doesn't, I'm, I'm not going to bother. He's um, nominated. He will be nominated. Well, we don't know that yet. Um, the Oscar nominees have not come out yet. But um, yeah, I don't like... I'm looking forward to your review. Okay, great. Um, it should have been Leonardo DiCaprio, is my point. Um, yeah, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio... Fuck Leo. Like, Leo. oh, okay. You don't even believe that. Well, <laughs> I believe trying, it. You're just trying to cause drama. Um, okay, no. anyway... Uh, All right, and simmer then, down, hopscotch. Uh, <laughs> and then for the DGA nominations, the one Leo. award that matters that like predicts the Oscar nominees is Outstanding Director. Um, the five nominees for the DGAs were Greta Gerwig, Yorgos Lanthimos, Christopher Nolan, Alexander Payne, and Martin Scorsese. Alexander it's, Payne sneaking in there. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, hey, that's but, not in the sneak. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Like Greta Gerwig is the sneak. Uh, sure, whatever. Because we don't like Barbie. I don't. Uh, whatever. Irwig. But like, well, I like Barbie. But Earwig, um, you like Barbie? But, I, I don't. I don't dislike it. <laughs> but like, Alexander I do Payne. Like the movie. But but Alexander Payne was a surprise because he's like seemingly wasn't even like running in the category. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Um. I mean. Okay. But you have to keep in mind, do, like. Alexander Payne's probably the guy that gets dropped if if Glazer gets an Oscar nomination, right? Glazer, Glazer, Glazer's yeah. not getting shit. 
Is he going to get he, nominated though? It, oh. It's possible. I I haven't seen the movie. I, Has anybody I seen the movie? No, <laughs> we haven't seen the movie. But I wouldn't like rule it out. I also wouldn't. I don't. I still don't think I would rule out. I'll rule out. Um, an anime of a fall, but I that's probably less likely because if it does good, if it does good in screenplay, then it probably won't get director. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like I feel like Alexander Payne Who directed Rustin. I don't know, dude. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, those are. Uh, it's very possible that those five you know, names. Those nine Steve Wolf. Are, it's very possible that those are the five nine best director years. nominees at the Oscars. Um, in which case, I mean, we already kind of know that Nolan is probably going to win at the Oscars. Nolan, um, probably a, a sure thing at this point. Um, and then where's where Shyamalan? Okay, that's the real. That's, that's the real question. Okay, um, fucking. And then Reddit finally, Irving. the Producers Guild nominees. This is an important. This is where we could have like an actual conversation because the Producers Guild nominees, their their outstanding motion picture category is almost always a very good indicator of what the best picture field will look like. It is yeah. usually. Statistically, it's usually eight out of 10 of these movies will be Best Picture nominees. Last year, I believe it was only seven, but typically it's eight. So the 10 nominees that they have here are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. If two movies were going to not get nominated for Best Picture and something else was going to sneak in, I, I, it's worth discussing what those two movies might be. I think Zone of Interest is out. If any of them are out, get them out. I think Um, that's the week. I think that's the least likely here to get nominated. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's true. If it doesn't, probably still will though. If it doesn't do, if it doesn't get any other nominations, then I mean, it's obviously not going to be a Best Picture nominee. Like if it doesn't, well, well, that's not true. Well, okay, that's not true. But and it will have a Best International Feature nomination, maybe a win actually. Because now so falls not in that category. Not a win. Not a win. Um, yeah, I like shout out Society of the Snow. Okay, well that's I don't think it's going to win over Zone of Interest, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is Best Picture nominees: um, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer are all locks. That's four. Probably. Yeah. Oh, Poor Things as well. That's five. Poor Things. Yeah. Um, and then I think American Fiction would be the sixth one on that list. I, I think it's probably certainly did you say be. did you say anatomy of a fall i did not yet because i think that's i think american fiction is and if we were going to power rank them i think american fiction is higher still currently okay. um because it did good with those sag nominations i mean it got a best supporting actor as well as lead yeah and it won um, that tiff award and yeah, yeah like yeah. it like people yeah the people the people like american fiction um so i think those six are probably locked i think maestro is probably seventh but i think it's kind of like there's a possibility that Maestro falls out of. I the would race. put Anatomy of a Fall over Maestro. Yeah, if I was okay. ranking. Okay, I, I I think there's a serious possibility that Maestro falls out of the Best Picture race and doesn't get nominated. But I. And then Bradley serious... Cooper kills himself yeah. on camera. <laughs> oh my god! Um, no, well, the serious is probably overselling it. I don't think there's a serious chance it doesn't get nominated. But I think there's a. I think that possibility exists if some movies were going to fall out of this because. It's the zone of interest, probably, like you said, and then one other movie. But I, I, I think that movie might be Past Lives. I think Past Lives might not get a Best Picture nomination. If I think Past that, Lives I think and Zone of Interest, those. I mean, those are the two A twenty four movies that are com- uh, competing. Is there, there's another one, right? Uh, I 
don't as anatomy of a fall no that's neon that's neon um, i think it's more likely that two a24 movies get nominated than zero a24 movies get nominated um interesting yeah. i don't think that a24 has done good with their whole campaigning effort but um, we don't see a lot of the campaigning behind the scenes though too sure but i, I just, don't know it's, it's interesting how it's interesting how little they've pushed some of these movies i mean it's uh, mm-hmm. obviously like the big thing is the iron claw like they just they didn't really if they released the iron claw like two weeks earlier and like really pushed it i think it would just be like kind of like it's a movie that everybody that would work for everybody like everybody would uh get behind that's, that movie that's the thing with, um that's the shut the fuck up Owen. that's the thing. <laughs> but that's the thing with um with uh um the zone of interest though right where it's like yeah they're not letting normal people see this fucking movie yet. yeah no, i'm just saying, saying I'm, I'm just saying like if everybody in like, the normal people i mean us Claw, <laughs> yeah i'm i'm normal just saying i think like it would be like movie. a very obvious it's a very obvious movie to be a best picture nominee and they have not really cared for it at all um i don't know i like yeah other stuff could sneak into this category but i, I think it's pretty possible that these 10 we just named are are the 10 best picture nominees like i don't know yeah that's 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 possible i i I do think there's a world in which even though it got overlooked by sag may december still gets attention from the academy as a whole um there's a world like and there's a way i think it's very unlikely sure but not on our planet i wouldn't rule it out um anyway that's that for awards discussion. If you guys don't have anything else to add um, before we wrap up, we're going to talk some news because we have a big, big news day ahead of us. Um, oh, brother. But, uh, yeah, you know, as, as usual, reminding yeah. everybody now to well, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, rate the episode on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And of course, follow us on Twitter and, and TikTok and Instagram and join the discord. If you're not doing all of those things already, but uh Let's get started with the news. First up, uh, two pieces of news in one. Tom Cruise has signed a new deal to develop and produce theatrical films with Warner Bros. that he will star in. And just days after that news broke, it has been confirmed that Top Gun 3 is in the works. Well, So we need to break this down a little bit. Um, Because uh, he he just signed a deal with Warner Bros. Top Gun is a paramount property. um, And people... I think people are running away with this a little bit too strong because the confirmed news was that Paramount confirmed that they are developing a script for Top Gun 3. Yeah, that is what right. has been confirmed. And they hope to get everyone back. Yeah, and then they hope that they can bring everybody back. That That's what's been confirmed so far. Um, right. TC ain't doing that shit. I feel like Tom Cruise... W- I'm dubious about it. Especially if they're or developing... Glenn Powell and Miles Teller movie? I think that it's just probably not going to get made. Yeah, um, and the, the the kind of timing of the announcement is very like Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, it came out the right after, and they this, immediately yeah. are like, "Hey, we're still doing things with Paramount." Like, no, you're not. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the dying Par- company and them yeah. developing a script for Top Gun Three without Christopher McQuarrie when it seems like Tom Cruise is in a stage of his life where he's never going to make a movie not written by Christopher McQuarrie. It's a little dubious too. So did I don't he think it's right. Did McCory write Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, yeah, he co-wrote Top Gun uh, Maverick. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. So who's how do you how do you feel about the, how do you feel about the actual Tom Cruise new like the like the partnership? It's interesting. Know. I mean, this I think that it kind of soft confirms that the next Mission Impossible movie is going to be the last one, it's right? The last yeah. one. Um, because that that was that and that we're was like time a, to Edge of Tomorrow. 
Yeah, well, right. you know, and now it seems like we're probably going to get an Edge of Tomorrow too, which is, um, which listen, that's a movie that like, um, what's his name, Doug Lyman, he said that he was working on Edge of Tomorrow too, like, you know, a long time ago, back when the right. first one first came out, he said that he was working on Edge of Tomorrow too, and like Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise were both confirmed, like said, like said that they would come back for it, and that just kind of got shelved and never happened. So it seems like that's going to actually happen now, which I love Edge of Tomorrow. Owen hates that movie. I think that Owen doesn't like Tom Cruise, um, <laughs> which is fine. Not everybody has to. Um, right. What about DC, man? Um, how, how do you feel? How do you feel about the idea of Mission Impossible ending? So, I, it's it's kind of playing with my heart a little bit because I always assumed that the Dead Reckoning Part One and Part Two, like this is going to be it. I always just assumed that this is going to be the end, and you then want to hear it. Well, no, but then TC and McHugh came out, and they were like, "We never said that." Dead Reckoning Part Two is going to be the last Mission right. Impossible movie. Like yeah, we never yeah, said yeah. that. Um, and the truth, they never. I just kind of assumed that, right? And, but then they came out and said, like, no, no, this is like, who said that this is going to be the last one? But now it's like, oh, you're not even working there anymore. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so this is going to be the last one, uh, which is fine. It's listen, all things have to end at some point. Um, yeah, and I mean, even like if even if the movie Simon like, Pegg spinoff. <laughs> I'm just no, saying, I mean, I mean, even even if that yeah. last movie is below <laughs> average, it still ends up as like one of the great franchises. Um, yeah, I, listen, so, I love all these movies. Yeah. Like. Um, next piece of news. Uh, this is a bunch of things combined into one. But Paul Thomas Anderson's new film will star Leonardo DiCaprio, Sean Penn and Regina Hall, along with a reportedly big cast. It is his, in quotes, oh, most commercial film yet with a contemporary movie. setting and a reportedly close to $100 million budget, his most expensive ever. Here's the issue with that. Um, $30 million of that shit is going straight to Leo's damn pocket. Sure. <laughs> that's the problem with that old bitch, is he's expensive, <laughs> and he does he's not worth the money, man. Oh, oh man. Um, well, $30 million? Okay, nobody okay. is worth $30 million. Nobody, exactly. Sure. Exactly. Sure, but... Exactly. But like, I believe Leonardo DiCaprio is also a good yeah, actor. Yeah, he has proven time and time again to be worth million. a lot of money. Um, but uh, how do you guys feel? I'm I like Paul Thomas it. Anderson. I watched Owen Phantom also. Thread. Owen, let me see that big cast. Owen also likes Paul Thomas Anderson, so I think it's funny how he's so like let me <laughs> see not it. buying it. Yeah, he's just like he's not buying into it at all. Like this is all like I like good, wait, one of his. This movies. is all like good news, like new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, big cast, like, yeah, maybe like well, because Owen, because Owen was like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like that they said it's his most commercial film yet, and I was like, bro, Licorice Pizza That's was his most commercial film before this. Like, yeah, it's also just like I mean, I, I need think more Haim sisters. I need more Hoffmans. <laughs> I don't know. I think literally the only reason why they said it's the most commercial is because it's the most expensive. Like I don't, the, the, nobody even knows what the story yep. is yet. Like what you know, oh, like commercially. Kind of, yeah. Well, I think PTA late style PTA yo, is interesting. Yo. The um, only very... the only thing that could be that I guess factors into How that commercial conversation. Are we getting? Like I'm really I, there's a lot of <laughs> equations here. No, but Bro, the Sean Penn was in one scene of Licorice Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's yeah. listed here well, now. As, like, he's one like of the three third names, bill. So. Yeah, um, so I'm seeing like a couple more scenes. Yeah, I guess the only thing that could make it more commercial is like the the fact that they said it's a contemporary setting, which like I guess Paul Thomas Anderson hasn't done since Punch Drunk Love was the Good last flick, like though. modern movie Good that he flick. made. That was like in 2006. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like that, I guess, is a greater selling point as well. Maybe I don't know, but it's it interesting. Like, I like that, that commercial. I'm interested in how they're gonna, how Leo's gonna look because. 
Right. Because, you know. Okay. No, in terms of like, uh, you know, putting Leo in a contemporary setting or how is he, you know, how are you going to dress that man up, you know? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Is he going to be, is he going to be wearing a t shirt? Yeah. Going to put him in his sweater. Was he, was, has he been in a contemporary? Oh, uh, he was in Don't yeah, Look don't Up. Look up. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, yeah. Look, and he looks fucking insane. Yeah. He looks movie. goofy. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah he's like not like, a real person, is he? No, he looks like he looks like Ernest Burkhart, bro. You gotta, you gotta make him look like a fucking cowboy. Like, yeah. It's, well, yeah. that's the thing is, it's contemporary, and he's usually not in. He's not in. Not anymore. I mean, not. I mean, yeah. not since he's gotten yeah. old. Yeah, he hasn't been. Yeah, it's old people don't look good in the modern age. You know. Well, older. Right. He's not even like old. He's like in his fifties. He's not even yeah. old yet. Like he looks old. Okay. He looks like he's um, in his fifties. <laughs> I was going to try to transition. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> wait, two pieces of news that I've combined because they're separate movies, but both the same topic, which is that we have several pieces of Frankenstein related news. Oh, yeah. uh, Jacob Elordi is set to play the monster in Guillermo Ooh. del Toro's Frankenstein, also starring Oscar Isaac and yeah. Mia Goth. And then also Maggie oh, Gyllenhaal's geez. Bride of Frankenstein will star Jesse Buckley, Christian Bale, Penelope Cruz, Peter Sarsgaard, and Annette Benning, who I went What an up. insane oh, collection of people. Um, the, the, yeah. uh, the Bride movie confuses me awfully. Well, because you saw that it was directed by a woman, and you were like, not even, no, but like, what did she, so she made that one movie, right? Lost Daughters. She did, yeah, The Lost Daughter, yeah, which is. What is, did you see that one? I've seen it, yeah. Like, what, what, give me like the rundown. What is that movie? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just bizarre for her to like go, because that movie doesn't seem like, that seems like a really weird jumping point to be like, we're making this movie, and then boom. Right it's, it's a good movie. It's like mostly a movie for good performances. I feel like. I mean, Olivia Coleman's in it giving a great performance. Like, uh, uh, what's her uh, Dakota Johnson's in it. It's like, oh, Jesse Buckley's in it as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe the yeah. movie really. But no, I mean, like, I haven't seen it, so it takes, I have no. It takes. That's the biggest thing. I. It's the cast is like also just like a bunch of people that like. I'm not like. Maybe crazy about it is maybe not the right phrase, but like familiar with or like. I'm like fans of everybody. I'm like I, fans of every single person. Yeah, I like this cast. With Jesse Buckley, Christian Bale, Penelope I like the other cast. I'm more interested in the other cast. Well, listen, two casts can coexist. Two great yeah. casts. No, I know coexist. it's just I, but they are going to be in conversation with each other. Yeah, um, I mean, it is interesting. This one just. This one seems well, just more not my thing. What's going on also? Because we have Lisa Frankenstein coming out this year. We have, and then we have these two yeah, in development at the same time. Right? Yeah, a lot of Frankenstein yeah. stuff going on, huh? Oh, Lord, yeah, interesting. Man. Oh, interesting. yeah. Baby. How do you feel yeah. about Lordy? <laughs> oh, baby. He's, you, I, I mean, I, 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 uh, what did I, I manifested this when I called him freakishly, grossly tall in my, right. uh, Priscilla review. <laughs> I think he's great. I was always confused by the Garfield thing because it was like the whole thing was like you didn't think he was Garfield was initially announced as the monster. The, yeah. And then people were like confused because it was like Oscar Isaac was like obviously like more suited for. Well, I think than... so what I think happened. Yeah, he was initially announced as the monster. And I think that a bunch of people just like misreported that he was actually playing the doctor. <laughs> like, yeah, because it was so like weird. And I I never. The thing with me was like I was like oh Del Toro Frankenstein is perfect I this is awesome like I love this idea but I was never on board with Garfield playing the monster and I was cool with Goth and Isaac playing the other roles but Garfield being the monster is like that's such a pivotal casting that was like yeah. I like Garfield I just wasn't sure about it so I think 
the a lordy switch up like i mean me and doug have off uh you know podcast talked about like casting you know monsters and stuff like that for a while and definitely a lordy is like a name that uh would be brought up in that situation because he just has that build and he's also just there's like too many the, like the hottest guy right now yeah like big actors that are like tall and lanky looking they're like, well, there's big the, actors but it's the a combination most of big actors and talent like that's what i meant so i meant like big good. in terms of like star power he's that so also good. have that. Frank that is, fine, right the most important thing is like the sensitivity as like the juxtaposition the juxtaposition to like like your like like the monsterness of it right and i think that alordi right. has that sensitivity because like we something that me and owen were throwing around is dave batista makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. for frankenstein because he's um, so like, especially cool, like yeah. you look at him and knock at the cabin he's so big and then he's so gent he has that gentle kind of side to him so i yeah. think he would be perfect but i think alordi in as also think a good as well. casting yeah. thing but yeah uh, batista is definitely like my kind of dream cast but like i think alordi well, I mean, don't life. sleep on the fact that we could get another Frankenstein movie, two movies come in <laughs> production at the same time. Oh, like, man. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, whatever. But I, I'm so stoked for this Alordi thing because I think he's just making like, he's Good decision. you know, you know, a couple of weird movies here and there. Like, they're not he's great, doing that like, Tom Cruise shit, right? In like, terms of like being in good projects, he's really doing well. So like, we're gonna get it, Frankenstein and this Paul Schrader thing, like kind of back to back. Yeah, he also for the people who don't rips. know has a movie that just got just released this out. past weekend that yeah. nobody in the world is going to watch. Um, it's already on demand. Well, yeah. It's already available. The director is a, is a nobody. Um, uh, I seen I saw a clip of the the thing. It, they it played the trailer in my all. movie theater. It doesn't a look good at all. <laughs> I might just check it out just for him. Yeah, like, but I it, it does not look good. Yeah um next piece of news okay we're we're still rolling with major headlines here but danny boyle and alex garland are Wait, developing sorry, were you talking about the speedies to... yeah no no we're not no, talking about the speedies. no no, 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 no. i was not talking about the speedies his movie speedies was zachary, actually, zachary quinto's wanna, in it i think we want to talk about the speedies i'm actually more no, i just don't know what movie you're talking about oh is it it's, called he went that way yes yes, yes, yes. yes. okay okay because i was just looking like what are you talking because i didn't know what you're talking yeah, about and i was like the speedies looks good i was like no no i'm i'm solidly excited for the yeah. sweeties my friends my um, friends who have seen the sweeties really like but no it. that okay. other movie just gonna get dumped on streaming okay um yeah and he's in it anyway like Sorry. i was saying uh <laughs> danny boyle alex garland are developing a sequel to 28 days later titled 28 28 years later envisioned as a trilogy of films boyle plans to direct the first and garland will write all three of them um i don't think Killian back. Murphy, is killing murphy gonna be in these movies i mean no, the, the, I don't. Doesn't he, he? He dies at the end of the first one. Um, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure he does. Doesn't he? I don't think Maybe. so. I'm pretty sure he dies it's, in one of in one of those movies. There's like only one. Of them, right? This is this is me like doing like a really bad. Um, What's it yeah, called? no, he, uh, I'm pretty like, sure he does. No, he does that. He does that. Yeah, right, yeah, right. he does. Like, I got it confused. Yeah. I got it confused because I was thinking of the ending. Spoilers for that movie that's old. Right, <laughs> sorry. Um, I mean, the um, movie's been out for a long time. Um, yeah. Uh, he does die. I got confused because of the ending. And Anyway, not important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the movie is coming out as a as a 28 years later sequel, or, or 28 days later sequel that I guess is 28 years from the events of that movie. I think it's cool that the same people are involved yeah um, that we're getting that connection again i think that Al- yeah. alex garland maybe go back to what he's doing best 
which is writing which is writing, movies. Yeah, which is writing sci-fi <laughs> films. Sitting yeah. in a fucking booth. Um, yeah, I. Well, out. do you think? Do you think if? Because the thing is, they said da- the Danny Boyle plans to direct the first one. It like here's would, my prediction. Would Alex Garland take over directing after that for the next two? Here's my prediction. At most, one of these movies get made. If any of these movies get made, it's only going to be one of them. That's my prediction. Oh, is it going to be like a... I hope it's not like a... What, what's the um, Fincher movie? Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, where like we get like yeah. a really good first one, and then we just never get to see what happens after. Oh, that's yeah. Sicario. I think that might be... Sicario had a sequel. Yeah, Sicario had a sequel. Yeah, that shit sucks. Sure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's not the <laughs> well, same thing. Unrelated, I don't know. Anyway... Um, yeah, I, I'm interested. Speaking of movies that are not coming out when they're supposed to, our next piece of news oh, is the saddest piece of news that I could have ever heard in my yet. life. Uh, Bong Joon-ho's Mickey 17 has been delayed indefinitely. Um, this is not the worst piece it's not of the news. not the worst news in the world. Because it probably is just either getting a festival Monday, release or being issue. released closer to like awards season i mean like the movie's still gonna yeah it's not they're not gonna shelve it wants to go in the festival okay here's the thing right um and this is something that our friend who kind of is like a little bit tapped into the industry um did say um he he said that he's worried about mickey 17 because um he said that they've been doing test screenings for a while and he thinks that probably the test screenings just weren't going very well and that Warner Brothers doesn't feel uh, very strong about it. But there's one way to look at this news is to interpret it like that because that is true. It is confirmed true that they have done been doing test screenings for Mickey, Mickey 17 for a while, but there is no reports, official reports for like how those test screenings have gone, right? That sounds like the movie is great. So then it's either like it's either the test screenings went really bad or like kind of like middling bad and then like, well, they're sh- pushing it back and like trying to figure it out or or it's going to get a can release. They're just going to yeah. take it to can. Take it to can. Um, be cool. And the thing is, the thing is, it was supposed to release the same month as Dune fucking Dune. Dune. <laughs> with, from the same studio as well. Yeah. Um, they're like, both sci-fi they're, movies. It's probably, like, yeah, it's probably just them being smart because e- even if the movie is like, let's say it's screening badly, then like if it's supposed to underperform, then it's definitely going to underperform if it comes out at the same time as Dune 2. So, um, also, maybe they're just being smart. Um, I want to throw it out there. Even if yeah. Mickey 17 was getting negative reactions and test screenings, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. It's the Bong Joon Ho movie, dude. Yeah, I it's don't like care. who gives a fuck? Test screeners <laughs> are losers. Anyway. Yeah, it's like it's it's like Bong Joon. It's like yeah, Bong Joon Ho was like a pretty but trans. He's popular, right? But he okay. I wasn't trying to fucking name drop <laughs> our guy, but um, <laughs> um, but like but like because Bong Joon Ho is like kind of inherently a little bit of a transgressive filmmaker, oh. and you know, a movie like Parasite, like. It's not. It's not like supposed to be a really popular movie that everybody loves. You know what I mean? Like, sure. you. But like, you know, you get what I'm saying, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. No, I get your point. And I, yeah, I don't think like the test screener thing always matters anyway. Like, who? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's fine. I, I've the the only now. the only like sad part of this news is that I can't see Mickey 17 as soon as I thought I would. Like, that's the whole. Yeah, point. same, I mean, same, 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 same. Obviously, we did a podcast, uh, literally last episode where we talked about our most anticipated movies, and this was my most anticipated movie of the year. So that like. You know, disappointing that I have to see it later than I would have, but I I don't care as long as I get to see it. Like that's all that matters is that I want to watch Mickey Seventeen. Um, a piece of news that came out just before we started recording: 
uh, Greta Gerwig reveals she wants to make two more films set in Sacramento and that she would be open to revisit Saoirse Ronan's character in a sequel to Lady Bird. This is the reason why I bring up this news. Hack fraud. Okay. But, 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 but <laughs> Doug said that the Greta Gerwig Saoirse Ronan connection was over. And, yes. and now we know that it, it might not be true, which is, that is, that is the good it's thing. A glimmer of hope. There's something to hold on to. That is the good thing to pull out of yeah. this movie. Yes. And as much yes. as like a Ladybird sequel is like totally unnecessary. I also, at, at least this is like a hint that Call she doesn't just want to make commercial movies. Like, at least this is like a hint that she's not just going to do Barbie and then Narnia and then another, like, like she might Super still girl. make something like Lady Bird, which is a movie that I still to this day adore. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like I wouldn't I don't know that I really care to watch a sequel to Lady Bird, but that that's what I pulled out of the news. Is like maybe maybe she'll do something other than just make, you know, hundred million plus dollar movies. Um, yeah, that would be awesome if she but, made a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, anyway, a piece of uh, TV casting news that we have to cover because it's a major deal is that Caitlin Deaver has been cast as Abby in The Last of Us season oh, yeah. two. Um, kind of the you know the lead character, was for a the lead character of season yeah, two. No, it wasn't. It was speculated. Yeah, it was a rumor for a long time. It's been confirmed. I'm just now. tapped in. I guess. Um, um, yeah. The and you know there's gonna be, she she will have to deal with some insufferable people, and I will stand as a shield because i think caitlin deaver is fucking awesome and i love her so much she's like one of my favorite actors and i'm sure she will do great um as she always um, does um yeah like yeah it'll be good i'll watch it um i'm yeah. i will say people online they've been making these this joke for so long and every time they make it it gets like even more annoying or they're like Man, we need to get the fucking the secret service to protect caitlin deaver when this yeah. when the season comes out like guys we're gonna need it's like but the, but, but when so you did, but when you see the like I when they tweeted this actual piece of news, every reply was negative. I like yeah. I I literally clicked on the piece of news. I I was just reading the reply. They were all negative. Like people, yeah. that's which what is why, blue for you. And and the sure. But the problem is, you scroll. The, I get what you're saying about how that's a little bit of an overreaction. I just don't want the public eye of caitlin deaver to be a bad thing because i think she's so good and has been for several years now like i like her and everything that she's in and i don't want this to be a reason for like the public to like turn on her and like hate her you know what i mean because like yeah because she's just a great actress um and she doesn't deserve that just for the character that she's playing um so that's kind of the reason why it's annoying but i'm sure she'll do good i don't know we'll see but yeah. people also weren't like very happy about the bella, bella ramsey, ramsey ca casting from what I people weren't happy about the uh liking bella ramsey after so what's his um, name people weren't what's his name who uh, Pedro pascal? yeah Pedro pascal people weren't happy about him either people the people that play video games to care about video games are just terrible people um, like... <laughs> fair enough let's end the podcast no i'm kidding um <laughs> the last piece of news is <laughs> stupid piece of news but i i throw it in here anyway um the exorcist deceiver has been pulled from the release schedule following director david gordon green's exit from the project which was yeah. you know as as we know when we touched on the exorcist believer <laughs> Um, they spent like $400 million to set up this trilogy of movies. The Exorcist Believer 
really underperformed. Um, and now the second movie in that trilogy that they have just dumped almost half a billion dollars into is, uh, who knows if it'll ever come out. Yeah, Probably I'm campaigning not. now. Um, I'm starting my campaign to do that movie now. Oh, you, want to, David, you want to I'll make take the, the reins you want your, David your, your feature directorial debut to be the follow-up to the exorcist believer yeah that sounds like a kick-ass way to start it <laughs> yeah no it does sound <laughs> that's fine. how that's how guys get in yeah. I'll, I'll do that shit i'll take the swap well it's also you know you have no expectations for the movie to be good so it's you go on there you gotta like you like yeah, learn how to direct no on a good a set if like i recast every character well Wow, you no, you don't have no that power. Gonna... You don't have that power. Yeah, as a director, I'm gonna tell them that they don't want to be in this movie. They, they don't. They don't even want to be in this. Movie. They, oh yeah, we're gonna get like deadline reports saying like, um, um, new filmmaker fired from. This. <laughs> <laughs> they um, I we are changing gears. I don't want to read into it too much, but it, it feels like David Gordon Green was maybe was maybe hurt a little bit by the the, the reception of this movie. No, he's. No, no, he's back. Uh, okay. David Gordon Green is back. Uh, as in, in what? Like, what? What are you talking like about? Not making movies. Like it seemed. No seemed like more there was like a, this, He's gonna make. Yeah, but there was like a video. quote where he. David like, Gordon he Green. Seemed, he just seemed kind of defeated. on the podcast right now. David Gordon <laughs> Green, Oscar winner, twenty. Yeah, I mean, because that was one of the most fucking detestable, like yeah. hated fucking movies of last year. Um, yeah, and, and he directed he it. all that shit. But I'm gonna save well, his life. Let's not just being mean to people. Yeah, um, granted, like that movie is like notably bad and weirdly conservative. Yeah, and, like... but he's done. He has worked on good. No, shout out DG, DGG. So. Yeah, yeah. DGG. <laughs> really? That, that, those are the initials. Oh, um, okay. Yay. That's our last piece of news. The we goat can goat. wrap it. We can wrap it up there. You can join us next week for episode fifty. Big, big. We hit fifty. Um. Anyway. Uh, we're going to be talking about another Francis Ford Coppola Eddie. film as we continue forward through his filmography. This time we're doing Rumble Fish. So we will Damn, see that's you crazy. later. Bye. Bye.